Church Table Productions. I'm Dan Lewis, and this is a show that we talk about the who, what, where, when, how, and why you believe in what you believe. Whatever that is, it's a beautiful thing. This is an open mic. There is no judgment. My co-host today for this episode is my very beautiful wife, Julie Lewis. Hello. And we are uh, joined by this amazing guest. Um, I'll give you a little feedback about how I know her. She... Apparently, I went to high school with her, and I did not know this because our class, like my class, was a thousand people graduating, and um, I'm sure y'all's were too. But my wife actually knows her more than I because when I came along into Julie's life, they had been around each other for quite some time after that. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Stephanie Erickson. Ta-da, ta-da. And um, so basically the way this works, when my wife's on a show, I sit back and run the board and I push my mic away from me and off you go. So are you ready for the show? Let's do it. Okay. So the first question as always is when were you born? You know, yeah, you don't have to age yourself <laughs> and uh, your parents and your dialect and that dynamic in your family and go from there. And we'll just... See you on down the road, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Soon. Stephanie. So I was born in Claremore, Oklahoma to a single mother who uh, put me up for adoption. So um, it's, it's quite an odd story. My biological mother, through it being a very small town, actually knew my adopted family. And I was adopted at like two weeks old. So it was something that they knew about the adoption prior to me being born. It was very quickly actioned after I was born. So I never really knew a difference. Um, My parents brought me to Dallas. That's where they lived at the time. And um, I feel like I'm heavy breathing in this thing. Oh, no. (laughs) You're fine. (laughs) But they they lived here in Dallas. Uh, My parents... I, I wouldn't say that they were religious when I was young, but when I was about four, they decided that it was time to find a church for our family. Okay. It was important to them. So they found Holy Covenant in uh, Carrollton. Yep, right up the street from here. Right, right, right around the corner. And we lived right around the corner from here as well. So it was a perfect location. And there was like 15 kids in my class. Oh, wow. Including the preacher's daughter. So it was... <laughs> <laughs> Small class. Yes, it was the, the perfect size church was small it was kind of new it was progressive and liberal for that time and and my parents felt like it was a place that they could take me and I could be educated and I could grow and it would be the place where they would grow me so we did the every Sunday thing you know my mom and dad came um I guess when I was younger it was the Sunday school and the plays and the choir and Ash Wednesdays, sunrise service, all of the normal things. It was just like our family always went to church on Sundays. You didn't ask what you were doing on Sundays. You went to church. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There was no, you know, are we going to, whatever. It was at church. And so that was just how I grew up. It was in Sunday school all the time. That was just a normal place to be. God was amazing. It was a great church. Everybody was welcome. That's how I grew up. I didn't grow up seeing people as being different it was just i was brought up in this church where literally everyone was accepted awesome they were all normal (laughs) (laughs) even their abnormalities like it was just you just loved people to love people you didn't worry about their differences what kind of church is holy covenant is it a is it a bible church is it a domination i mean what 
what would you categorize it as? It's a United Methodist Church. Oh, it is a mm -hmm. Methodist. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm sure at some point I knew that and, yep. you know, because we had a lot of mutual friends mm -hmm. that went to Holy Covenant. And I, just to back up, I met Stephanie in elementary school. Yes. We went to Fernell Elementary and I maybe we knew each other before I remember fifth grade mm -hmm. because we had Miss Luttrell. Yes. Okay. That was my first year there. Oh, it was your first year. Yes. So okay. I okay. went to Davis first and that's oh, where okay. most of the people from my church went as well. Okay. Um, we all went to Davis and then they changed the school's line. Okay. And I moved over to Fernow and that's when I met you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I was trying to think back before this week when I knew you were coming, I was like, did we, I just remember fifth grade, and Miss Luttrell was not the nicest teacher. <laughs> I mean, she was just very emotionless, mm -hmm. is how I would describe her, right? Yeah, I, I mean, she didn't smile a whole lot, and she didn't, she was older, she was an older teacher, she wasn't mm -hmm. one of those fresh, young ones that, oh, teaching is super fun, I'm a college graduate, and <laughs> now I get to teach elementary kids. <laughs> So I only remember like a few random things about the time at Fernow. I remember trying to do a flip off the the swing and banging my head open. Oh, nice. Um, I remember the high bars that we used to do little flips on. Yes, yes. yes on the playground, yeah. Um, I remember the little like Kiva area where it was like sunk in where we would go to have oh. the safety zone classes yes. and whatnot. Oh my God, that's so, so funny. <laughs> and I remember Mrs. Young, of course. Oh, yes. Miss Young, yes. sorry. And Shout out Courtney Young. Yes, hi Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, oddly enough, I remember, and sorry for all the gentlemen listening, but I remember my first period at Fernando oh, in fifth grade. Wow. So, that was early. <laughs> and then oh Sandy Lake. That, those are the only things I really remember. Oh, Sandy about Lake field that. trips. And right? like, now you're spurring a lot of memories. I remember orchestra, <laughs> the little... Um, uh, what was it called? The Ace, the Gifted, whatever program where mm -hmm. basically like you went in and did puzzles and stuff. I, I was oh, yeah. kind of boring. They call it GT now. Yeah. Gifted and Talented. I'm sure it's much that... more advanced now, but when I was taking it, yeah. it was like, take this puzzle to figure out who, who done it or something. I was Oh, funny. It was interesting at first and then it just got really boring. And when you took that class, you had to miss art. And oh. I wanted to do art, too, so eventually I was like, Mom, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> oh. But you, what instrument did you play in orchestra? I played the bass. Oh, you did? Yeah, that thing was so tall. It was taller than me, and it was heavy. Did you stay with <laughs> orchestra? Mm -mm. You just did it fifth grade year? Yeah, I did it fifth and sixth. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, so I had done piano when I was younger. My mom had put me in, um, when I was probably about eight, my mom put me in piano. Okay. And so I already knew how to read music, and I thought the bass would be really cool. Yeah. But it was really boring because everybody else was learning how to play music, so it was, like, very basic music. Yeah. And so the teacher would give me more stuff to take home and try to learn, but when you're playing the bass by yourself and there's no other accompaniment... Right. The song gets a little boring after oh, a little while. yeah. So I lost interest in it. That, and I also had to carry that thing from home to school all the oh. time, and it was so big. Which is, is a beating. Yes. Yeah. I do regret it, though, because it would have been fun to be in jazz band or something in high oh, school. Oh, yeah, for sure. If I had stuck with it, but yeah, after sixth grade, I was like, orchestra's not for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Joey did bass in 6th, okay. 7th, and 8th, and, but, you know, they got, the schools finally didn't want the kids carrying an instrument 
from and to. So he had a school base, and he had the one at home oh. that I rented that he kept at home because, yeah, they're huge. Yeah. And, I mean, he Joey was tiny in junior high. Yeah. So, yeah, but they should have thought of that right. several years well, and my prior. Dad, my dad says I'm crazy and this never happens, but I swear that it happened that one time I missed the bus and I had to carry it home. <gasps> and they say it didn't happen, but I remember this. I remember walking down Rosemead with the base in oh, my hand. Oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah, that's... And you probably had to stop, like, a million times. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, the things are huge. (laughs) I I don't doubt that, but they're still, those, I mean, those things are giant. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. So, Ferno was good. Mm Mm-hmm. It was good. And then we went to Dana Flong. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started youth group at my church. Okay. Which was awesome. Okay. That was my safe place all throughout school. I mean... My parents and I didn't always see eye to eye. We had a lot of, like, challenges, which is not abnormal for an adopted child to kind of struggle with some acceptance and boundaries and other things. So um, as I got older and started studying some of that, I realized that that's actually pretty common. And my poor parents were very patient, and we did a lot of school therapy and whatnot. Oh, gosh, yeah. But um, the youth group was my safe place, and there was a lot of... Uh, moms and adults in the church that volunteer that kind of became my second mom or my second dad where they could give me advice and it wasn't I didn't feel like I had to defend myself against it you know what I mean right right. and so I was able to listen to them and take more wisdom from them so my parents really appreciated that because they saw it as a place where they knew I was going to be okay they could take me and I could glean that from other people when I wasn't receptive to them right I mean, amazing experiences, ski trips and mission trips and camps and conferences. And I was in the youth council and just so many things I never would have been able to do without the church. I mean, my family was certainly not rich. We didn't travel very much. And so I got to see a lot of things that I never would have seen otherwise. Oh, that's cool. And it gave me my servant spirit, my servant's heart of I like to volunteer. I like to do things for other people. I like to help others whether it's through building something or preparing a meal or just being there for someone you know it really kind of ingrained that in me that that was something that you do yeah it's something that is not occasional it's something that you always are working towards so yeah and I see on your social media you're really lucky to work for a company that seems to do a lot of community service yes and you're always I'm always in awe of all the cool <laughs> things you guys get to do in the community and yes. to help other people. So that's really cool. Did you go for your mission trips when you were a kid? Where Did, did you do local? Were they local stuff? Or did you go out of the country? So it was mostly, um, there was one trip out of the country, but my parents didn't let me go on that. That one was to Mexico. Oh. But we did. (laughs) Understandably, probably at that time. (laughs) They were like, "Uh, no, that's not happening. (laughs) But we went to Nashville. We went to Memphis. We went to New Mexico. Um, I feel, I know there were other locations, but I just don't remember all of them. And we would go and either help out at churches or help build houses or whatever was needed. Yeah in that community and then we also our church had a lot of um uh missions towards el salvadorians who were 
um, leaving their country because they weren't safe and they were looking for a sanctuary in the United States. And it was all through like legal channels. And right. families would take in some of these individuals or they'd live at the church and they would be given jobs and opportunities. And so it was, it was volunteering with them. And Oh, wow. And I mean, I even walked in marches down in downtown Dallas with my really? church when I was younger. Yeah. yeah oh, that's so cool. So it was, it was, um, it was very like again liberal progressive church that yeah that pushed you to put yourself out there in the community and get to know people and be vulnerable yeah in a lot of ways and you probably got to really experience a lot of things that little Carrollton suburbia yes would not other I mean we're in a bubble here yeah I mean especially when we well, were we, kids yeah we were in a bubble yeah I mean yeah. I, I don't think it is so much now but we were definitely in a bubble as kids. So for you to get to do those experiences, even mm-hmm. even just prote- protesting or marching or whatever it was right. in downtown Dallas. Well, what were you protesting at that age? Well, I don't... Well, um, she didn't I think say. it was something in El Salvador, and then it was like human rights types of things. Wow. And we had a, um, a sister church yeah. in um, East Dallas, Lower East Dallas, and it was uh, primarily Spanish and English um, there was someone from our church who had gone to lead it and pastor it. And it was very much in the low-income families area. It was a very poor church, but everyone there was so passionate about God and about giving. And so we would go down there. My mom was close with the woman that worked there. And we would go and volunteer and hang out with the kids and and just really get exposed to a different life. Yeah. It's a different life, protesting at a... <laughs> what? How old, how old were you? Um, I think I was, I was a teenager the first so time high school, I went to probably. I, well, I feel like it was maybe thirteen. Oh, so junior wow. high. Yeah. Wow. But it was, and it was very peaceful march. It was just you know, oh, right? Sure. Nothing crazy. Just, right. There was no SWAT there. No, I feel like it's very different these days. Before oh, it was like to go express how you felt about something, and yeah. now it's like to go rage. Oh, it's so volatile <laughs> now. It's so people are so quick. To be angry, yes, about everything. <laughs> yes, and I mean the littlest things. You, I mean, will set people off. Well, and they don't even want to have a conversation about it. Yeah, they just want to assume that you're wrong, and you can be literally saying the same thing that they are saying, <laughs> and they are so angry and so quick to judge. That yes, they, that they're fighting you, and you're like, we're saying the same thing. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's 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 what I just <laughs> a lot of times I have an argument, talk, discussion about religion with somebody, and we're saying the same thing, but after the first like minute, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, there's nothing I can say to stop this person. I I actually unfriended people who would be so volatile on Facebook. Yeah. That I felt compelled because I, I'm a fixer. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a fighter as well. I'm not a fleer. I'm a fighter. And so I would feel compelled to fix their problem. <laughs> and it would escalate. And I was like, this is not a good situation. Every time I see them post something like this, it gives me anxiety because I want to fix it for them. And I want to help them understand that it's not, you know, <laughs> right. calm down. Um, so I actually unfriended a few people because yeah. it just, I found that I wasn't helping them. No. By being upset about it or trying to fix them. They, they weren't and wanting to be and fixed. And your stuff is so positive. Yeah. Your oh, your posts you. are always so just just positive. I don't I mean well, I don't know another <laughs> good word go, for it, but if you go look back at my memories. Um they weren't always I had a friend um she went to my church, Sarah Ingledow. Um she 
when I was going through a pretty dark time after I split with Matt, um, she had this thing called Awesome Day, and it was Wednesdays, and on Wednesdays it's Awesome Day, you post about things that are awesome, no matter okay. what it is. I, re- I, I feel like I remember this. And she kept doing it, and I was like, oh, I need to be more positive. I need to appreciate more things, because I was in a pretty ugly spot at that time. And so um, she kind of challenged others to be a part of it. So I started doing it. And it was simple things. Like, I'd be like, my dog is awesome. I like lip gloss. (laughs) What else can I figure out that's awesome today? Just the little things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it made me start to appreciate things in a different way and and see see things for a different way. And there was, you know, actually, I, I brought a scripture that I wanted to share because there was a sermon, um six years ago in March and I re- I remember this because I got a tattoo a month later inspired oh. <laughs> by it that's why I have the date so well oh, um, funny. yeah but uh, there was a pastor that came and spoke at our church and I mean he had a, a tragic story just you know a child who was ill and terminal and oh. just the most difficult experience you could ever imagine and he spoke about positivity and about there being value in every struggle that we go through. And it was really inspired by Second Corinthians about how, and I'll just read it for you. Um, this isn't like, it's just one of the verses, but it's really, really speaks to me. So it's Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So it goes on to talk about how he is here to deliver us and through our prayers. And it just, to me, it reminds me that, you know, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. And for our sins and saved us from death in that situation. And so no matter what situation we're going through, he's going to get us through it. Right. He's going to get us through that process. And if you can stop and be positive about your experience and find value in it, you know, he was explaining how he could have been bitter that every day he had to go and pick up his son and carry him to the restroom and clean him and right. and then carry him downstairs and help feed him because he couldn't feed himself and all these other things. But he said, you know, I could be bitter about that or I could appreciate the fact that I was that much closer to my son and that I had that time with him and that right. I had the, that experience with him. So... While it was a terrible struggle, struggle there was a lot of value in it. Yeah. And so that and Sarah's awesome days, you know, those are things that just kind of put, put things me in the into right perspective. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always, when things are going rough, I'm just like, somebody else is doing a whole lot worse than yes. I am. <laughs> well, and I'm an awesome complainer. Like, I, yeah. I am epic at complaining, and it's something that I've really tried to change because. Yeah. Well, it's you, hard. You need to vent sometimes. You need to get it out. You need to get it off your chest just so you don't sweat, right. like wallow in it or yeah. let it sit on your heart. But at the same time, like to your point, there is so much more going on out there in this <laughs> world. And yeah. where I've been in previous days of my life have been a whole heck of a lot worse than they are today. Right. So, you know, I'm going to be try to be as thankful as I can for each day and each experience. And I try to change the mindset of, well, instead of I have to, it's I get to. Oh. 
So I have to work today. I get to work today. Yeah. Oh. I have to volunteer. I get to volunteer. Oh, that's a good mindset. So just kind of switching that of... Your you wording, know, yeah. I mean, nobody likes getting up and going to work, right? Right. <laughs> Every single day. <laughs> but can you imagine if you didn't have that? Right. That's uh, terrible. If you weren't able to. Yeah. So, yeah. So be joyous about it. Now, if I don't get to because time. I win the lottery, then right. that's a whole different situation. But then situation. you get to win the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> then I get to win the lottery and I get to not go to work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to take care of your friend named Stephanie. <laughs> oh, I've already told people and for everyone listening out there, if you ever think that I've disappeared, okay, you will eventually get an anonymous check in the mail. Excellent. You're not going to know who it's from. <laughs> But I will be off the grid. I will be on a private island. No one, me and Dan will have disappeared. Don't think I'm murdered or anything like that. Right. But, but everyone will get something in the mail. <laughs> and you will know, but you won't know. Will you include plane tickets to the private island, please? Possibly. Possibly. A while I'll need back, to come um, visit. A, a while back, my stepson and I were having some issues, and, and I had to meet with my spiritual advisor, like, now mm-hmm. and um i was just i'm gonna meet him there so i walked and the whole time i'm walking up there i'm like what what why, why am i so mad about this there's people <laughs> out there that have like five step kids and mm-hmm. have one and so when i get there he's like you're right i'm like yeah i'm just i'm just griping i'm just, I'm just griping <laughs> I'm, I'm okay he's like what's happening i said nothing man there's five there's people out there with five stepchildren and i have one i'm good yeah i'm fine yeah so perspective yeah mm-hmm. it's a good one yeah it's yeah so let's go. Um, you're um, you're you you're you're marching. You're doing a protest. <laughs> so you're you're by at that. thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. You're just now a teenager, and they're putting you in downtown, saying we're going to march. And uh, your outlook on this to religion? Did you piece this together? That this is what religion is about, or was this like I'm just going to go with it because my church is doing it? You know, it was something that um, my mom allowed me to do because um, she trusted the other people that were going. Okay. And it wasn't necessarily my church that was going. It was people from the church. Okay. And it was something that, for me, it made sense to be there because I've always been someone who fights for other people. Yeah. So if someone were to come push Julie, I'd they better watch out you know like <laughs> right that's i'm i'm i have that instinct and it's wow it is an instinct it's something that i actually have to tamper down sometimes because fighting is not always the right answer but right. i i get in that defensive mode of anyone else who i care about being hurt or just injustice if you will which is funny i don't do it for myself but i do it for everyone else and so when I was a child, my parents were sure that I was going to be a lawyer. Um, oh, yeah. I could see that. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. They were yeah. just determined. And, you know, I went to school long enough. I should have just become one. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was something to me that when someone explained to me the reasons why we were there, and I can't remember which one this was or exactly why. I think it was, it was definitely a human rights issue. Yeah. That it just made me angry. And I was like, why would anyone do that? Why would they think that was okay? I struggled with that a lot, too, when I was growing up because race didn't equate to me. Okay. People were just right. people. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I was very fortunate that my parents brought me up that way. I did not, I literally just didn't see color in a way that I would hope our world is someday. Um, and 
I paid for that in some ways because others around me saw color and I had friends that were injured because they were friends with me and Mm. other people didn't see it as being okay. I had friends that wouldn't be friends with me because we were different, but that just to me never made sense. And so I would get angry and people would be like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Why, why you don't make sense? And so that's something I've really struggled with. Um, It's, it's even comes up in my work life. I'm just like, things seem so black and white sometimes that I don't understand why you can't see them. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And how clear they should be of be nice to people and do the right thing. Just simple. Yes. Yeah. My mom calls it a strong moral compass. Yeah. Because I have this very certainty of what's right. And that can get me in trouble sometimes because when I get too dug into what's right, I don't necessarily listen. And so I try to pull myself back Uh and say, okay. I'm kind of fuming right now, but I'm going to try to listen. I'm yeah. going to try to hear what you're saying. I'm going to try to look at it from a different perspective. It's hard. It is. It's really hard. Well, and I think, I don't know if you felt like this at, at Newman Smith where we went to high school, but I didn't, because I felt, I feel the same way. I didn't see color either. And I feel like at that time in the 90s, we were a very diverse high school. Mm-hmm. I feel like we had a huge Asian population, Indian population, black white hispanic i just felt like it was redneck yeah (laughs) i mean i felt like it was a good diverse yeah in my parents same way raised me i mean we didn't we we didn't see color they were they were people with names Mm -hmm. and feelings and families and you treated everyone Mm -hmm. equally Mm -hmm. and it was about kindness and it was about doing the right thing Mm -hmm. so i totally i get what you're saying about yeah but unfortunately because we were in the Carrollton bubble i think yeah and i think in my mindset it was like well that's how it is everywhere so i got kind of a rude awakening to it um end of freshman year one of my best friends, Chastity, and I decided to run as co-historians for the student council. Okay. And this was back before you had color printers and all these fancy oh, yeah. banners. So we like, we hand drew You're our hand posters. coloring. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. And we put them up all over the school. And at our school, there's all these weird hallways that go nowhere. Yes. Yeah. We put them <laughs> everywhere. We were determined that we were going to be co-historian together on student council. And um, there was a, a group a clique that had a really big problem with us being friends and one of our friends stood up for us and actually got pushed on the stairs oh my gosh so um chastity decided she didn't feel comfortable doing it and we had to back out wow i was was like let's prove them wrong let's fight and you know she wisely understood that that violence occurs in those situations and there's a reason to be scared but i just couldn't i couldn't equate Mm. that i could not understand it and so i wanted to fight and you know i had to accept that she wasn't comfortable with it so that was probably one of the first times that i was ever really slapped in the face with racism wow but it's something that um i i did a senior sermon for my church we had a service that was just all seniors did it And a few of us did sermons. A few people did like songs and and various different things. And my sermon was on racism and about how God doesn't see us as black, white, Asian, Indian, Mexican, whatever. We're just his children. And we shouldn't see each other that way either. Right. Wow. You did that your senior year? Yeah. 
Wow. That was some serious studying. <laughs> I was oh my so God. nervous. <laughs> so how many people were you in front of? Do you know? It was my whole church, yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. It was exciting. It was it was really wow. cool to be able to take what I had been learning and apply it. But now I know that I knew so little. You yeah. know? Oh yeah. At the time you think you're like, I'm prepared. Yes. I did all this research. Yes. And back then, there was no internet. No. No, there was books in the Bible. Encyclopedias. Yeah. Yeah. I had this one book that was like quotes for speakers or something. And so I was... Oh, funny. I mean, it was this huge, thick book. And I was just going through it trying to find good quotes for, yeah. for this sermon. And it was really Yeah, kids neat. out there listening. We actually had to work <laughs> for our projects and papers there and essays. No there was no Google. And the no. index cards, oh my gosh. Oh, the index cards. Oh, so many. Yes. So many. Oh. And then you had to hand paint your own posters. So that happened too. We saw that went on at school all the time. Oh, well, Lots of glitter. Well, when <laughs> copper printer, or color printers came out, that stuff was expensive. Oh, my, I still feel like it is. Yeah, but <laughs> my dad and my parents. Um, well, we had a computer fairly early because my dad was an IT. So did you have the Dell um, or the Tandy? The Tandy one thousand. Yeah, I mean we had we had computer way early. Yeah, because yeah. he needed it for work. Mm-hmm. So um, in fact, I have somewhere in storage. I need to find it. I have this old laptop from the like 80s or 90s or something yeah Yeah. oh my gosh that my that my dad had for work and it's the whole dos and everything laptops Uh, existed in the 90s yeah they're about like three inches thick though yeah oh i didn't know that yeah we didn't do a whole lot oh that's i thought we were like kind of rich when we got our computer yeah and we had like two or three games on it Mm mm-hmm and they were all in yellow, orange, and green. Mm-hmm. Those are the only colors. And it was like Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> and there was an Olympic, a Winter Olympic one. And I don't remember. It may be Jeopardy or something like that. Yeah. But that was like the coolest thing ever. Well, we actually had one before when it was like DOS and you, oh, you had wow. to do the directory and like do the different commands and stuff. And yes. you'd be playing these typing games and you're like tapping over and using the arrows. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah, it was... Um, Ooh, nostalgia. (laughs) Going way back. I think it made me adaptable, though. Um, It served me well in my career because, you know, there's been new technology in every Mm -hmm. job that I've had, and and I work in financial software now, so there's always new technology coming out. And it's just made me easy to adapt to Mm -hmm. whatever new is coming, just getting familiar with it and no fear, just dive right in, whereas others kind of freeze up and they're afraid they're going to mess it up. I'm like, eh figure it out well dan and i were just talking about a couple weeks ago there was an article about generation x is the most adaptable generation Mm -hmm. because we're the last generation that still we didn't we didn't have technology as a kid Mm -hmm. we still played outside yes and then we grew into you know all of the video games that whole into the computers Mm -hmm. into the internet as young adult you know what late teens early 20s yeah um i lived in little Elm when i had my first dial-up internet computer that was in 99 remember the aol cds yes yeah yeah (laughs) so you know they say that we are like at work when we have things that change constantly Mm -hmm. we are the best ones to just okay well it's another change it's technology this is this is how it works because this is how our whole (laughs) <laughs> our whole life has worked basically it's been constant, it's been constant yeah. yeah 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So senior year. So you went to you went to Texas Tech, right? Well, that I went there later. So my senior year, or I guess junior year, we went to the college tour around Texas. And for those of you who've never done that before, you get in a car and you drive around Texas and you go check out schools. <laughs> that's really what you do. Yep. Um, you stay in the state because that's where it's cheaper. Yep. Um, and of course, I picked the private school that was the most expensive on the list that we looked at. Which one? Southwestern University in oh, Georgetown. Oh, that's right. Amazing school. Oh, it's Truly beautiful down school. there. Absolutely beautiful. So we had been down in Houston. We had been. So we went to Austin and we parked the car. And we get out of the car and start walking across the way to go to do the tour at UT. I looked at my mom and I said, um, can we please leave? I don't want to go here. Oh. And she was like, okay, well, <laughs> moving on to the next one. And the next one was Georgetown. It was one that, oh, we're, it's on our way home. We might as well just stop and see it. And we got there and I was like, this is the place that I want to go. This oh, is isn't that funny how you got a feeling right away? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um. I did like a, this is, is kind of a funny story. So I did a college experience visit there where you go and you go on like a Friday and you go to some classes uh -huh. and then you go stay in the dorms with someone. Oh, that's cool. Well, one of the people I stayed with, I actually worked with years later at the company I'm at now. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those things where I came in, I was started six years ago got the job I'm going through the training materials and I see one of the managers names for another team and I was like Amy Dawn how is that possible <laughs> so I I messaged her on Facebook I said do you work at market and she goes yeah I'm on maternity leave right now but yeah why and I was like well I work there now too so <laughs> oh, what a small world <laughs> very small world and there were other people there work there too and it was it was amazing school wow um but that's that's honestly where I started to get away from the church oh, so yeah. it was a liberal arts school had a wonderful chapel there and when I first went it was I volunteered at the United Methodist Church. I was going to be a youth counselor for the youth group. I was doing the Boys and Girls Club volunteering. I was going to stay involved in the church. The church was so important to me growing up. And I suddenly had freedom. <laughs> and I didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And I suddenly had challenges. And I didn't know how to handle them. And I thought I could figure it out on my own. And I started drifting. I didn't really connect at the church that I was trying to volunteer at. I didn't feel those connections. And I think that was part of what made it easy yeah. mm. to drift. Yeah. But I got very arrogant that I could handle it on my own. And that was kind of the beginning of my separation from the church yeah. for a long time. So um, I, I just I didn't do well in school. I hate to say that I left on bad terms, left Southwestern after two years. Yeah which is one of my biggest regrets. It was an amazing school. I wish I could have continued there. But I um, came home for a while, went to Brookhaven, and then moved to Atlanta to work for a restaurant that was opening there. And while I was there, I decided I'm going to go back to school. Mm. I need to I need to get my degree. My, neither of my parents had degrees, and it was kind of like this big deal that I went to college, and then I didn't. <laughs> right, right. So I wanted to fix that. That was something to me that was a priority and um, I told my parents I was going to go back to school and I was just going to go in Georgia because I was living there. 
they were like if you come back to texas we'll help you so of course i was like all right on my way <laughs> <laughs> let me pack up <laughs> yep because <laughs> i was working two jobs at the time i wasn't really sure how i was going to get school done but I, I was going to figure it out so i came back to texas and that's when i went to texas tech because okay. i had friends out there okay so did you enter tech as a junior or uh, did you have some credits that you had to make up so I had credits, but um, they didn't all transfer. Oh, so gosh. things that had been basically like, like I didn't have to take English. Okay. Um, at Southwestern, I didn't have to take math because I had had certain levels of math, and I there was a few other things that I didn't have to take. And when I, and I had taken business accounting one and two at Southwestern, mm-hmm. but for some reason, the program I was in at Tech didn't accept those. <laughs> Oh. They wanted me to take restaurant manager accounting, and I was like, but I have business accounting. <laughs> Which uh, is, yes. yeah. So there was a lot of stuff You'd like think that. that would trump. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. You'd think that trump restaurant accounting. <laughs> you would think. Well, and at the time, too, I was like, I'm never going to be an accountant. Why do I want to do this? And then I was an accountant for a while for restaurants. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, never say never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, during that time, I was working and going to school, and I, I never found a church there. I don't think I ever went to church in Lubbock. I just kind of okay. stayed separated from it. I can't I really can't remember any church ever. Did you there. like school? Did you like it there? I I had a great social network there because okay. I already had friends. Made a there. lot of connections and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know I had a few boyfriends while I was there. Yeah, and, you know I was getting my degree and Did yeah, you like, I mean it was good. You like the town and oh yeah. yeah yeah I mean it's a big difference from Dallas right yeah it's a huge difference out yeah. there. Well, you know I just took jet there in March yeah. and I thought it I'd never been there before. Yeah. I'd never even driven through Lubbock yeah. I thought it was the coolest, small, mm-hmm. like, big city, but not... Right. I mean, right, nothing like Dallas. Yeah. I mean, but it was easy to navigate. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people there. Yes. But, but there's great traditions. But it's small town feel, but still a big city. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It was really neat, though. Well, and, it's grown a lot. and all the kids, you know, we were there while classes were going on. Yeah. And everybody just, for the most part seemed pretty happy (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no it was they have a lot of great traditions there um of course i love football oh yeah oh yeah football yeah so i went to all the football games and those were so much fun yeah and teachers were really great i remember taking a history class and just having this amazing teacher who really inspired me i took a adolescent psychology class that was so intriguing to me just a really great professor that made me start thinking about things a little bit differently made me more self-aware of how the world was changing around me and how we were really going through a lot of growth as a culture and just in generations right and then um i took this one class my senior year that made me rethink everything but at that point oh it was no like time to graduate <laughs> but i took a forensic psychology class and it was so interesting forensic psychology mm-hmm. oh that sounds mm-hmm. fascinating i if i had taken that earlier in my career i would have definitely switched my focus it oh was wow so interesting to me but at that point i was like okay it's time to graduate <laughs> <laughs> i should have a doctorate at this point it's so what is your degree what is the degree in so i have a bachelor of science in restaurant hotel and institutional management okay okay and then I did get the minor in psychology. Okay. Oh, I took a psychology class in high school and I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was at Smith and I was like, 
oh my god, I want to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> and then I saw all the schooling that I had to do, yes. and I was like, nope, yes. that's not going to happen. So I researched <laughs> that as well and started looking at, you know, what, what do you have to do to become a clinical psychologist and, or, you know, get a doctorate and all of that, and to your point, I was like, yeah, oh. I'm not, I don't think I'm that interested. But I thought yeah. it was really helpful in understanding how teams work together and how people interact. And yeah, uh, I think it's been really helpful for me in my career and in management of yeah. people. Yeah. So I'm glad that I, I did take it. But yeah. 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 Dealing with people is hard. <laughs> and but if you can try to figure out how to navigate type A's. Yes. Type B's. When to when to know people are angry and not to speak to them right now <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> sometimes it means being honest with yourself about those in yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's things that you think that other people do that if you really stopped and look at yourself, you're probably doing it too. <laughs> right. So, right. So um, I've I've spent a lot of time in the last few years doing a lot of self reflection, and I took this thing called Emergenetics, which I'm actually an advisor now and can help other people take it. But it's a um, profile that shows you your thinking and your preferred thinking behavioral attributes, and it was eye opening for me. It oh. gave me permission to be comfortable with being me. And seeing the strengths and things that maybe others pointed out as weaknesses to me before. And own them. Mm. And, and just use them for good. You know? Yeah. So I'm... Well, that's interesting. I have a... Um, I'm assertive. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> I'm expressive. Not a surprise either. As I'm waving my hands. Um, it's something that... I realize that I have to be aware of how others react so that I am using those strengths in different ways. So if there's someone in a group with me who is a quiet, reserved person who needs time to think before they respond, that they, they want to ensure that they're being impactful with their words, I can't just keep talking and telling them what uh. they, they can say. I need to stop. I need to prepare them that I'm going to ask them for their opinion and give them time and yeah. maybe even space and say let's talk about this again tomorrow or come to me by the end of the day when you're ready with your answer like yeah. give them that space so help me recognize that i'm the person that can go in that room and put myself out there and have that vulnerable conversation but i have to change my approach for other people and recognize that they need something oh that's interesting yeah so stephanie how many people are you managing at your job right now so right now I have two teams. Um, I have five in the Dallas office that I work with, and I have five in India that I work with. In India? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So that program that you're doing helps you manage these teams. Right. So I took the um, class myself. It's a questionnaire that you take um, to get your profile, and then you can take a class called Meeting of the Minds to go learn more about it and learn more about the people that you work with and how you all interact and get tips and tools for interacting better. And so I took that class and it opened my eyes. It gave uh -huh. me permission to be myself. It made me realize that I was trying to work the way that others worked because people liked the way that they worked. Uh -huh. And I felt like I wasn't succeeding and I felt stifled and I felt uncomfortable. I wasn't happy with my job. 
And I realized that that was because that wasn't the way that I preferred to think and behave. And so I was putting myself in other people's shoes and trying to do things the way that they did. And it wasn't very successful. Yeah. So this gave me permission to really just be myself and use it for good. Um, always for good, never for, for evil, right? Right, right. And it was funny because um, about four months after I took this class, my boss goes, I don't know what happened, but uh, about four months ago, man, something changed. Something just clicked for you, and you've been on fire since then. Oh, that's great. And yeah. I was like, this is what happened. So she recognized it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Which is a huge plus. He did, yeah. And um, so there became an opportunity to get certified to be able to give people their questionnaires and teach them their profiles. Okay. So that was last January, not this past January, the previous one. I went to New York for a week and oh, got certified. Okay. So I do that at my company as well. It's on the side. It's not a paid job, but I think it's really fun to, to sit down with somebody. It's usually newer people in the company. Sometimes it's someone that's been there for a while. Yeah. But sit down and go through their profile with them and, you know, say, do you ever experience this with people? And they're like, oh, yes, yes, I do. And I'm like, <laughs> this is why you're noticing that. And this is how you can relate to them better. And this is how you can get their attention better on what you're trying to say. Oh, wow. And, you know, it it just resonates with people. They hear it and they're like, oh, it all makes sense now. It's job therapy. Yeah. So in a sense, (laughs) you are using the psychology. I didn't put that together, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's great. (laughs) So, So this is... So did your work find out about this thing or did you... So it's a program that our company has um, used for a long time. Mostly it used to be done at a managerial level. And then um, they came up with this whole initiative where they were going to have everyone in the company take the profile. Okay. And so that's how we we learned about it. Um, Small world kind of thing. The son of one of the women who created this Emergenetics actually worked at our company at one point, too. Oh, wow. It's one of those very small world things, but um, it has application across the world in many cultures and across genders and ages. There's just, there's something innate about the way that we act, the way we behave, and the way that we think that... If you can recognize your strengths in that, you can interact well with others and thrive. And it's not about weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Like, the language is always positive. You might be someone who is reserved and quiet, and there might be someone who is assertive and loud. Mm-hmm. And both of those are great strengths on a team. Mm-hmm. You need both. Mm-hmm. If you had a group of five people who are all assertive and loud, what's going to happen? Oh, it's like too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Yeah. I mean, it's you're not going to get anything done. Yeah, you're just going to be talking over each other. And, and you're going to be going in circles. Right. right, right. Right. But if you have someone who's quite a reserved or someone who's able to shift between the two, you have more balance in your team. You have more diversity in your team. Right. So it's used from a work, work application of how do I identify a way to build a more diverse team with different types of thinking and behavioral preferences. Okay. So that we have more positive outcomes, we have more balance. You know, I I don't want a team full of people who are analytical because I need a team 
that also has someone that cares about people and mm-hmm. that cares about the big picture and that cares about how we're going to get things done. Oh, yeah. So you've got to have that balance. Otherwise, you start spending your cycles. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. I love it. <laughs> no, that's that's because you want people you when you're in an office setting, especially it that's already stressful enough. Mm-hmm. And people's anxiety levels are high and just trying to work. And then you're trying to manage people. Yes. And you don't want to herd cats, right? You've seen the herding cat video. It's Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, yeah, that's really... And you want people to be productive and happy Mm -hmm. and not stress and full of anxiety. So, that's a great office to be in if you can get that balance. That's a really great thing. It is something that made me appreciate some things that I thought were annoying about others. Mm, I realized mm-hmm. that they weren't really annoying about those people. They were actually their strengths and I should appreciate what they were bringing to the table and how they could balance me in other areas. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that created a lot of work. But to your point, there's a lot of anxiety in the workplace and that often occurs when you're trying to act and behave or think outside of your preferences. Right. So if right. you're a creative person, um, you're someone who is more on the conceptual side, you like to draw up big ideas, you probably want a whiteboard that you can go and draw things on and think through your workflows and mm-hmm. how your big ideas are going to look. But if you're told you can't have that, that you can only have this very structured desk yeah, and you have to get to it from walking from A to Z yeah. and you must be there. Or if you're a social person and you're told that you can't interact with others and that you need to stay in your little (laughs) office, you're going to be miserable. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So even office spaces, team structure, all of that needs to accommodate and allows it to be flexible enough for somebody who has these different preferences so they can thrive Mm -hmm. and everyone benefits. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's new workforce. And again, that's like your positivity that you've been... (laughs) doing for how long now yeah um you know yeah eight years whatever it is you know you know the positive thinking and like okay i really need to look for even having a great cup of coffee i'm trying to count (laughs) you're trying to count eight years (laughs) eight years yeah Yeah. i was just taking a guess that was a pretty good guess (laughs) i'm counting yeah no that's fantastic well there's a lot of there's a lot of um there's a lot of things i was reading this article the other day about how many generations are in the workforce now mm-hmm. and they count of five so the baby boomers are still there mm-hmm. um even the ones before that mm-hmm. our grandparents they're still they're still hanging in there and then uh, so baby boomers and then uh what was the generation between the baby boomers and ours the ones who were adults in the 80s or growing up in the 80s they were they were in high school in the 80s uh 70s weren't they they're born in early 70s late 60s yeah they're not the baby boomers because baby boomers are born in the 50s late 50s early 60s no baby boomers are our parents generation okay but there's a group in there that was born that grew well, up in their 20s had, in the 80s like they're in high school in the 80s x y and z <laughs> well we were gen x and yeah. then the millennials are after us i thought what is between us and the baby boomers? I don't know, Dan. Yeah, so there's a... Uh, Are you Googling it? Yeah. <laughs> I do this a lot on the show. I'll Google things yeah. just to make sure I'm... Um, and I actually found the article the other day. It's a real-time fact check, people. <laughs> and... Um, Thank goodness. Generation names in the United States. Here it is. 
Well, it's kind of interesting that you bring this up because my company went through a migration about two years ago. Oh. And our office merged. Like, we had people come over to our office from the other company's Dallas office. Oh. And our office was very young. Like, people that had... There were people that had been there 12, 15 years uh. um, who had started when they were fresh out of college, but it was still a very young age office. Mm-hmm. And our highest, like... We had one lady who had been with the company for 25 years, but she had been through multiple acquisitions. Oh. And everyone else was much younger yeah. than that. Well, when this new office came over, like two weeks after they came over, we celebrated a 45th anniversary for someone. Oh, my gosh. And the whole office is like, what? 45 years? I mean, that's that's something that my dad's generation did. My dad yeah. worked for that long. Yeah. But 45 years now? <laughs> well, we just, I mean, it... It's just funny that we're bringing this up. We, I just had a conversation with my mom because my dad is still working. Okay. And he's, hang on, he's going on 69. And they are, the economy and what's going on with the trade in China is affecting his job Mm. really bad right now. Therefore, when one of my, my dad's a manager over a small group of guys, like four or five guys, Mm -hmm. they work 12 hour shifts, 24 seven, right? Mm. They rotate days. When one of them is on vacation, my dad is the backup to step in and work their 12-hour shift. My, again, my dad's almost 69. He does not need to be doing that. But he cares too much. Yeah. And the thing is, we were just, me and my mom were saying, in their generation, they stayed at companies for a very long time because companies used to care about their people. Mm-hmm. Companies don't care anymore. that's the overwhelming like I love your story Mm -hmm. because this company that you're at seems very progressive with making sure that people are happy Mm -hmm. and this this thing that you're doing with making sure that teams are productive Mm -hmm. and things like that I think that's fantastic but but what we're finding with Dan's little sister for example her boyfriend who is 23 he is already he's graduated college He's already changed jobs twice mm-hmm. because his the he's a he's a young he's a old no I'm saying you're wrong he's a young millennial okay so he is finding he's recognizing right away that these companies don't give a crap about him mm-hmm. and that he can be re- replaced in an instant mm-hmm. so he worked at one place for not even two years he's already at his second insurance company mm-hmm. and that's the only way he's getting a raise. So to be honest, I we've seen this a lot in yeah, our company because, um, in fact, one of the teams that I work with is that entry level okay. where people come in straight from college, and they either come in with this attitude of I want to go bust my tail and grow and learn everything that I can and excel, yeah, or they come in with this, well, why do I have to do that? Why isn't this given to me? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Those are the people that are bouncing jobs yeah. back and forth, and they do. I mean, if I left my company right now and went to another company, yeah. I would make more money. Right. That's natural. That's You get to that. You do. You bounce and you get more money, but you're going to hit a spot in your career yeah. where you're not going to advance anymore, and that's going to stop. 
Right. And that's going to be because you're not trustworthy to stick around. Companies don't want to invest in you if you're not willing to invest in a company. Yeah. I mean, if you've been six months to a year every place. Yeah. When I look at your resume, I'm passionate over. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. it shows me that you don't have commitment to something and you're not willing to work it out. Now, there's going to be situations where that was out of your control or it was mm-hmm. a toxic situation. But for the most part, those that are bouncing around like yeah. that. Man, I've had jobs where I've had some bosses that were total jerks. Right. And I fought through it because that boss was the jerk, not the company. And I wanted to excel at what I was doing. And to me, it was if I can go in and win this guy over and prove myself, then I can handle any situation. Yeah. And I did. And I eventually got his respect. Was that when you were in the restaurant? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was hard You know a lot. Oof. Yeah. I know a lot of that happens. I mean still happening (laughs) yes it was really bad years ago it is much better now yeah it's much there are still situations where you go hmm feels like a little gender bias there but for the most part you don't see that as prevalent Mm -hmm. I mean when I worked in restaurants I got hired as a cook somewhere and the general manager was like no we're not gonna have a woman on our line and um, yeah. I was like, but I have experience as a cook, and I'm really good at it. Yeah. No, we're, it's going to disrupt people, and we're just not going to have a woman on our line. And so um, I started working in other areas there, and the chef had no problem with me. He started teaching me on the side, and eventually the general manager couldn't really do anything about it. Everybody wanted me to work back there. Oh, wow, yeah. I bet the general manager is an older man. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. the, the generations are, uh, they call silence or traditionals, 1925, 1946, baby boomers are 46 to 64, Gen X, 64 to 81, millennials, or Gen Y, 92 to 95, and Gen Z after 95. That can't be right, because generation is longer than that many years. Well, that's... But, so baby boomers is before us. That actually makes my dad not a baby boomer. Tra- so, I mean, that's just one. It, go, it goes on, like, before... Okay, so... Just at our website, traditions before 46, boomers between 46 64. That's Gen X between uh, 65 and 76. Y or millennial between 97 and 96. Okay, no, I'm, 77 I'm and 77 and we are not millennials. 77 <laughs> I, I and 97, and then Gen Z born after 97. Yeah. And, and so Gen, Z, Gen Z are my boys, and they're Gen Z. I've also seen them called as the I generation for internet, too. Well, so. well if it's on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's, there. It depends on like there's, on Google and there's like eight different people, websites saying that within a few years of each other. Anyways, what I meant by that is that. Um, so uh, is he home? Okay. Yeah. So uh, what I meant by that was that you are you're finding a workplace that's allowing this because your those old generation bosses are gone. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it works. We see the law this around the area. The colony went through the same thing with the major road coming through Josie opening up to six lanes instead of two lanes, like it was forever, because the votes, the old, the old folks finally died off, and they could re-vote enough to where they passed it. <laughs> um, this is a hot topic for Di- for Dan. <laughs> it is hot, and, and Carrollton became wet. Be- finally, was able to sell beer because of the same reason. Yeah, and then I mean, this goes on and on and on, and so now you're in a workplace. Now we're able to do this. Where before, like ten years ago, before you showed up, forget about it. 
you are supposed to stay in an office now is all you're going to do because the old yeah. dudes were like no you don't need to do that because they're, they're traditionalists yeah. well they keep people in a box i mean when you're when you're in an office setting yeah it's whether it's cubicles or or actual offices which i'm lucky to be in an office with a door right <laughs> I'm not. That's a huge blessing, I'm at a by the way. Desk with oh, many people. Oh, see, and I've been. And at, I sit in the middle of the room. Oh, <laughs> and see, and I've been at. I, I've been at jobs like that before. Yeah. Hard to concentrate. Like I, I have a little bit of ADHD, and boy, does that set it off. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know. It's a. <laughs> Dan is taking a picture of Stephanie right now. That's <laughs> well, why I do. <laughs> I actually want to kind of lead off with something that Dan mentioned. Yeah. Is we are getting more progressive. Yeah. Progressive. They things. hate that word. Right. It's a well, dangerous word for them. And it scares me a little bit. Why? Because progression is good. Change is good. Mm-hmm. Progress yeah. is good. Yes. But sometimes I wonder if we do it in a way that sacrifices values. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the descriptions on the uh, the gen, um, our next generation above us. Mm-hmm. They're no longer focused on the values. They're more focused on what they can get out of it. Right. So yeah. it's like, like what's my uh, sister's boyfriend? I'm no, I'm not, I'm not by no means um, loyal to your company. Mm-hmm. I'm loyal to my bomb dollar. Right. And so I need to move on to get that right. raise. Well, they're looking out for number one. Yeah. Because right. let's face it, nobody's going to look at, nobody else is going to look out for you except yourself. Right. But what they're going to find eventually <laughs> is it gets really lonely when there's only number one. True. And don't you think that our society, we overcorrect all the time. And I think yes. that's what we're going through right now. I think we're overcorrecting, mm-hmm. which is why we have the president that we have now. Oh, and, boy. And, and, well, we're and not going to go down that okay. road. But <laughs> no, I'm things- just saying that's just an example of overcorrection. The Me Too movement, yeah. right? Right. Overcorrecting. Well, one thing I would say is that um, we get so stuck in this correction of things that we don't realize how amazing it is to contribute to something. Yeah. Right. We want things to be contributed to us, but there's so much power behind being a contributor to something. I mean, this is why I love serving the church is because I get the opportunity to be a part of something that's so much bigger than me that I can never do on my own. I used to, so you mentioned um, the charity work that we do at work. Mm -hmm. So not only does our company give us three days a year for each individual to go volunteer, which is amazing, we do fundraising as well. And one of the fundraising things that we've been doing is St. Baldrick's. The St. Baldrick's Foundation, we do a -a shave-a-thon where people across the company globally shave their heads and raise money. Men, women, their families. St. Baldrick's Foundation. And so um, I I had the blessing to be the host of it, the global host of it, mm. for a couple of years. And, I mean, we're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. Stpodricks.org? Yes. Cool, and so I'll it, see it. it made me realize, you know what, I oh. could never have that kind of money. I could never oh, give yeah. that, that kind of contribution. I never could have impacted all of those people on my own. Right. But because I was able to use my skill and my talents to contribute to something... There was literally a FDA-approved drug that came out of a contribution uh, to a grant that our team made. Wow. That is saving lives right now. Oh, that's awesome. I couldn't have done that on my own, but I'm contributing to something. And people want others to contribute to them, and they want to be the recipient, but there's so much value in being part of the bigger collective and giving towards others. Yeah. Well, and I'm a big believer in karma. 
I think what you put out into the world, mm-hmm. whether it's positive or negative, it's going to come back to you. Yes. Whether it's positive or negative. Yes. So I just think that the more good you do or try, even if, you know, even if your intentions are good and it just doesn't work out the way you do, somehow that will be recognized in the universe. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's something that I, I don't know. I, I feel like we're taught to, to love and to give and to be kind. Mm-hmm. We're not here for our own self-benefit. Right. Like, God will take care of that for us. Yeah. We need to be giving to others, and in turn, we will receive. We don't give to receive. That just comes right. naturally. Yeah. Right. But, but if you're always looking to receive, you're never going to be satisfied. No. Ever. No, no, no. Well, look at all the rich people in the world that yeah. are the most unhappy people. Yeah. You know, and they have... All the money in the world, mm-hmm. and they're still not happy. Mm-hmm. So I never will be. I, I volunteer at my church, like you do, and mm-hmm. I don't do. I don't get paid for anything. I put a lot of hours in over there. Mm-hmm. It's not for anything. It's just for, it's just to give back. Yeah, and I love. And I get I get my thrill out of it. I mm-hmm. get my feet out of it. Yeah. Uh, Joshua's team Spartan Race 2019. It's the next St. Baldrick's Foundation at AT and T Stadium. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, they have um, companies, individuals around the world, and it's it's mainly in the U.S., but we're a global organization, so we fundraise globally. But um, people do these shapeathons all the time to raise money for St. Baldrick's. It's a yeah, small foundation, and they fund grants across the world because they know that by bringing all of the collaborative minds around the world, all these different scientists and doctors together to research, that this is the best way to find a way to save children's lives yeah they're they're partnered with sports clips they'll come and cut your hair shave your hair yeah they have a goal of fifteen thousand. right now they have 1900 in the bank that's awesome and um they've been doing it since the fall of 2013 what is there an error on there no okay so that's just um that one that's for our area right that's just one event that's just one uh, um they call them campaigns I had never even heard of it, but until, I'll shave my, until shave you my started posting about it. Yeah, it's amazing. So, um, I always shave my head. I'll do it. If you so. search the campaigns for IHS Market, you'll find ours, and you'll see how much we've raised in the 10-plus years that we've been there. Um, we just surpassed $4 million. Wow. wow. And this is not the company going and just throwing a bunch of money at an organization. This is the people. That are, di- yeah, that are going awesome. and they're campaigning their friends and their family and their community and their clients. and Oh, that's awesome. You know, we had a woman who shaved her head at our office, how was it last year or the year before? She raised like $23,000. Whoa. So people were just giving her money. There was a daughter of another gentleman who shaved her head. I think she was in Singapore. Yeah. And she raised almost $60,000. Oh my gosh! Uh, that's man, crazy. I, I shave my head all the time. I'm in. Let yeah. me know. I'll be there. <laughs> Raise some money. Yeah. Absolutely, it's, and it's such a great small organization. They're very um, helpful. So if there is anyone who's looking for a great organization to get involved with, St. Paul Trucks is fantastic. They'll coach you through the whole process. I'll do it. Let's give do you all it. the support you need. Oh, that's awesome. So let's rewind a bit. Okay. Uh, let's go back to Georgetown. Okay. You said you're very you wanted you were on fire to jump in, mm-hmm. and it failed. Yeah. So um, that was my big adventure. You know, I'd never. I guess my family was a bit um, constrictive. 
Uh-huh. I had a very early curfew. I had very big restrictions on what I could do. Uh, they wanted to keep me safe. Yeah. And so I got to college three and a half hours away. Uh-huh. And I could do whatever <laughs> I wanted. Yeah. Mom and dad couldn't just show up. <laughs> Mom and dad couldn't just show up. And unfortunately, I discovered alcohol. And oh, I yeah. didn't know how to handle it because I had never really drank in high yeah. school and I had never really partied before in high school I'd been to a few small parties but really nothing yeah. like party. nothing where the cops broke it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and it was usually like this kind of stuff but like people from the church group oh yeah, yeah somebody's no. house and it was a safe situation yeah and, you know yeah. whatever yeah. and parents I, are like there yeah, somewhere yeah. yeah um and so I got to college and I became a party girl yeah. and so I was trying I knew how to do the right things because I had been brought up to do the right things. Right. And so I wanted to volunteer at a youth group because the people who had volunteered at our youth group had meant the world to me and really changed my life. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to do that for someone else and I wanted to be involved in the school. I joined a bunch of clubs and I was, um, I rushed a sorority and I was on the like, um, I think it was Spark Council, but oh, it's yeah. like when new, new students came in, we yeah. did the tours and everything. And I was on the RHA. I was actually the president of the RHA at one point. I'm not really quite sure What's how that RH- happened. What is that? Residential Hall Association. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm really not quite sure how that happened, but I, I was involved in all these things, but I was out of control. Yeah. Mm. I was partying every weekend and then sometimes every night and mm-hmm. just wow. really making terrible decisions. And I was oversleeping for class. And so mm. it was a private school. Yeah. very strict attendance policies and it didn't matter that I did actually study and did well on tests it mattered that I wasn't in class Uh wow I got an academic probation and that was not the wake up call that I needed unfortunately Um, I met a boy he was in the military Mm -hmm. and so I spent a lot of time with him instead of focusing on my studies instead of making sure I went to class yeah yeah and um, I did unfortunately end my career very early at Southwestern. But it was so you were super school. involved with yeah. a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. It but, but I can't imagine you. Okay, so colleges. I thought it's private. Remember, private. It's private. Well, I know. If so you I'm not familiar. Classes, you can't get higher than like a seventy or something like that. Like you actually I, lose points on your score for the number of classes that you miss. Because I thought in college it was just like okay. N- if you show up, it's your right. job to show up to class. Nobody's right. taking attendance. So I thought this as well. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not the truth. But at uh, Tech, go to class. that's true at Tech, though, isn't <laughs> it? No. I had some professors that failed me for missing, too. But the really? way that they did it, the way that they did it was um, pop quizzes every day. So if you went oh. there to take the pop quiz, you couldn't pass the class. I said I could tell if you're a tennis or not. I yes. gotcha. Stephanie Erickson wasn't here to take the test today. She <laughs> She wasn't here. Really funny story about that. Let's go back to, I mentioned that I had an accounting class that I was pissed that I had to take again. Yes. So I wouldn't go. I would just go for the test and take them because I already knew accounting. <laughs> well, the professor was very adamant that I take the class. And so he would fail me. Uh. And... He, after twice, once dropping it and once failing, he happened to get in the elevator at the same time that I did. Yeah. And turned around and faced me and said, 
you need to come to my class <laughs> and you need to pass my class. So I'm going to have a Maymester and you're going to sign up for it and you're going to take it and you're going to pass and we're going to be done with this. And I said, yes, sir. I will sign up for Maymester and take your class. <laughs> so see, in my first instinct would be if I was trapped in an elevator with him and we were having these issues <laughs> and I had taken business accounting yes. one and two yes. at my very expensive private school. Yes, sir. <laughs> and you're making me take restaurant accounting. Yes. I was I was not happy about Were it. Were you trying it with every ounce of you to hold back from saying that? I was Do honestly <laughs> I was a little in shock that he would confront me directly. I guess I didn't expect that and so I was just like, Yes sir, yes sir. But you know, to to get back to what you were saying, you know, the drinking impacted me in so many ways. I started having insomnia. Oh. And so I wouldn't sleep at night, and then my body would just crash, and so I would miss oh, classes. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't function. Yeah. And I was dealing with depression because oh. I, I had shame about the way that I was acting and the things that I was doing. And it just really impacted me in so many different ways that I, I'm surprised I made it through. Wow. Like, you know? But surely you had, I mean, that does, the, I mean... You had friends there that I'm sure yes. were going through the same things, right? It's college, man. It's part of Well, so I had um, my first year, my roommate and I were really close. Yeah. My second year, where things got really ugly, my roommate and I knew each other. And we signed up together because the accumulation of our hours bumped us up on the request list. And oh. we both wanted this really cool dorm room that doesn't exist anymore. They tore it down. But oh, it was wow. this really cool place. So we signed up to be roommates, but we didn't really know each other. And she dated a guy for a while who basically lived with us oh. in our dorm room. And then they broke up. But for some reason, he still kept coming there and um, just to sleep. And oh, random. She basically like moved out with her next boyfriend. Oh, and so, that's weird. so you're stuck with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> it was it yeah. was really weird. Oh yeah. my gosh. He eventually went away, but I was mostly by myself. I didn't have someone going, Stephanie, there's you have got to get your shit together. Sorry. Oh, You've no, got to fine. get your stuff together, like you, there's something you're yeah. you're going down a bad path. There was nobody seeing that. You had that. no accountability no, person, no, at all. Because people would see the face I wanted them to see, yeah. and they would see this happy-go-lucky person, yeah. And then I would go home, and this was before everybody had a cell phone, of or course, social media. Yeah. So I would go home, and I would just be alone. You had no connection, right? With yeah. So I would suffer through all of this uh. on my own. And I didn't reach out because yeah. I knew that it was bad what I was doing, but I am the best at self-sabotage. Uh-huh. The absolute best. Yeah. So I just, I didn't know how to handle it. Wow. That's, so, ugh. That was the, the worst, oh, that's probably terrible. one of the worst days of my life, having to look my father in the eye oh. and say, um... I am no longer going to Southwestern. Well, you never want to disappoint your parents. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. is, you know. Well, especially my dad. He's always been my hero because um, he. my dad never went to college. Yeah. He uh, pumped gas when he was in high school. He went to Vietnam as a communications officer there, came back and got wow. a job in IT when IT wasn't really a thing. He grew up in the industry. That's how he learned That's awesome. And he, I mean, he managed teams. He he had all this great success in his career. And he never went to school. And so my thing was always, if I went to school and I applied myself my way that my dad 
did I I'm capable of anything. Yeah. Right. I can do anything. And so to go and tell him I failed uh-huh. was devastating. Man. Yeah. It's I, uh, oh. I got used to saying that to my parents at early age. <laughs> used so far, to what? Dan? I got used to saying to my parents at early age. <laughs> <laughs> well see and, and not to like or, not no. to like make fun like I don't have a huge ego, but yeah. I was in the gifted and talented. Yeah, and yeah. I did solos in church and I, you know, like I had a lot of success in high school and junior high. Yeah. You're the quiet you're the quiet librarian girl. You're yeah. a quiet librarian you're like Yeah. I'm perfect, but at home is all these other stuff, like, right. in the wall, whatever. Going on, yeah. 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 So how long did that dark time, I mean, going through that, was it freshman and sophomore year at, yeah. the, at Georgetown? Yeah, well, so to back it up even further, which is something I don't know if you and I have ever talked about, um, I was the victim of date rape in high school. Oh, no. Um, I wow. think we talked about this. So I didn't tell anyone about it. Okay. Um, I felt a lot of shame about it because I was a virgin and I had planned to stay a virgin until I got until I got married. Oh wow! And so I felt this like dirtiness, you know. I felt oh. I felt ashamed, and so would, I just didn't tell anyone. Would we know the guy? No. Oh, thank was God. Was it junior? What? It was junior year. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it was a guy that I was working with at Chili's, and um, oh, the restaurants. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and. Uh, I didn't tell anyone until I went to college. And so okay. I had suppressed it. Yeah. And I wasn't dealing with it. I felt a lot of guilt and shame, not only just over it happening, but the fact that I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. And so um, that was Ugh. a cause of the lot of the darkness. Gotcha. Yeah. Ugh. And then you were away wow. from mom and dad. Yes. And then you were like, okay, I can do whatever now. Yes. And, and then my, the drinking comes in. Well, in my first night at college, um, we had gone a little bit earlier because I was going to play volleyball, but I decided not to. Another mistake. But um, my sweet mate was there early as well. She played soccer. And so we went for a walk that night. And she broke down and confessed that she had been raped earlier that mm. summer. And that that was the first time that I really told anyone about it because here was someone else going through what I had experienced. Yeah, yeah. And so we connected, but we also connected with other people that took us to our first frat, frat party. So <laughs> <laughs> did this did this guy ever? Did you ever get this guy? No. That was that. You never saw him again. No. Uh, well, that he did reach out to me once years later. I I saw him at a restaurant somewhere, and he approached me and tried to say hi. And whoa, um, I just I grabbed a friend and was like, "Give me away, give me away." And I I never confronted him. I never said that's the guy. Yeah. Um, I just you know, it's a different time. I mean, it was. And yeah, I think yeah. one of my biggest I I had a couple of fears. One is that I was dirty because I did want to wait until marriage. And the other was that I was afraid my dad would end up in prison. Oh, from killing him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I I didn't want Oof, that to happen. I wow. didn't want to be the Man. cause of that. Yeah. Because my dad was so protective of me. I mean, this is And he was your story. hero and you probably really yes. seriously thought he would wow. kill him. Yes. Man. So when I was younger, um, I always knew I was adopted growing up. Right. And um, one of the kids in the neighborhood was making fun of me saying oh you're adopted nobody wanted you my dad found out came down backed him into a tree and was like you do not talk to my daughter like that you will never talk to her that way she is more loved than you will ever be 
Oh, wow. He was furious because his daughter came home crying, saying no one's ever going to love her. Yeah. And, yeah, so, that I mean, that was just that situation. I was terrified. My dad was going to do something else to to take care of his daughter. And, I mean, my dad's not a violent man by any means, but he has seen a lot of violence in his life through his experience in Vietnam. And, fortunately, in in past years, he started to open up about that, and he's gotten help to deal with his PTSD and everything. And... He's on full disability now, actually, because of all of the things from Vietnam. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm so thankful that the VA is taking care of him and, and giving him all of that help. But for a wow. long time, like, I, I just wanted him to be happy and be okay. Yeah. And so I hit it. And I also knew that my mom, who would get freaked out if I just had a conversation with a boy, was going to, like, <laughs> shut my life down. And yeah. that was a, that was another factor why I hit it. And I wish I never had. I wish I had, yeah. had dealt with it. But um, it took me a long time to deal with it. It's funny. You're saying all this. And I remember at some point when we were growing up, you saying how strict your parents were. Yes. Yeah, my curfew junior year was nine o'clock. Senior yeah. year was eleven. My my mom made a huge mistake on prom of saying be home early morning. She meant two. <laughs> I went came home at six. Oh, funny! And she was like, "Where have you been?" I said, "You said early morning. It's morning. It's early." <laughs> <laughs> that did not go over very yeah. well. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow, that's amazing. Okay, wow. Yeah, but uh, not that I had a good time I'm, at prom, but... <laughs> well, I'm glad you found somebody to to connect with. Yes. I mean, granted, you still went to parties, but yeah. uh, you were probably finally relieved to, like, get that out. Yes. Like, and okay, oh my gosh, somebody else knows exactly what I'm going right. through, and I can talk to, to her w- about mm-hmm. that, because that's very debilitating to have to hold something like that in for such a long time. Right. Because at that point, what, it's... A couple years since it happened Mm -hmm. and you'd still not told yeah that's terrible yeah well and and, you know I talked about my separation from the church that was a big part of it as well and that continued for a long time in college after I stopped going to Southwestern I didn't go to church anymore unless I was visiting my parents and we went to you know sunrise service for Easter or Christmas Eve other than that I really didn't go to church unless when you were here for the holidays yeah yeah unless it was a weekend when there was some big like reunion with everybody from the church that I graduated with meeting up those were the only times that I went right so was there a point in there where at Georgetown you're like I'm done no or was it just a gradual fade I think it was gradual I think I think it came from similar to class missing things that I should have been able to go to but because of either the partying partying nor the insomnia no mm. I would I would not make it I think the first thing that I dropped was mentoring the little girl that I mentored oh, her name was Amber yeah. and I would feel so much guilt over missing a meeting with her oh, and yeah. I was not in the right place to be mentoring wow. anyone Man. but you know so I I handed that off pretty quickly because I felt so much guilt over missing it I didn't want that to happen again yeah and I didn't want her to be impacted by my inability to be responsible right and then I just I kept trying to go to the youth group thing in the yeah. church but there just wasn't a connection there yeah and be- be- so because of your problems or because of the denomination 
Well, it was the same denomination, but I just didn't... The people you just didn't there, click with them. Yeah, like, I didn't make any friends there. Okay. They yeah. weren't very, ex- like, open and Georgetown's accepting. a small town. Yeah. That's people, 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 Georgetown's north of Austin, and it's really a small town where it's a small-town mentality mm-hmm. to where their education goes as far as they wanted to go. There's no... There's no drive to go any further with education. Like most small towns are, like the small town my dad grew up in, you're you're lucky if you graduate high school. Yeah. Because the the workforce is you're going to be in a farm. You're on a you're on a land. You're in a field. So, knowing anybody, getting out to know any new people, forget about it. It doesn't even exist. Right. They, they the not to talk bad about them, but they're they're in, uh, what's the um. Their structure, their infrastructure, their uh, just their mentality is just there. It's very little. It's minimal compared to ours. Well, it's a lot different now. Yeah. Um, well, and because it was a college town and so close to Austin, there was that connectivity. But you're right. Like, there are people there that were very set in their ways. They yeah. knew their people. Mm-hmm. They were the same people they'd known their entire life. Like, so back then, you? The very clickish. Baby, ge- yes. The baby boomers were very much in control at that time when you were there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I wonder now what it's like now in Georgetown. Like, are my Oh, it's a, it's a great town. I've been back to visit since. And, what uh, are you doing? <laughs> I've been back to visit since and um, it's grown a lot. Yeah. It's grown a lot. And it's really cool too because Southwestern didn't have a football team when I went there. Mm-hmm. And now they like share the football stadium with the high school and it's a really cool stadium. We oh, had cool. a football <laughs> game at, at homecoming last year. Aww. So a bunch of my sorority sisters were going and so I, I met with them. And um, it was funny because this was like the group, they were having a reunion. Mm-hmm. And it was the group that graduated the year that I dropped out ah. and they didn't know I dropped out they thought that I had just oh. either continued or moved on <laughs> and so they had been like Stephanie you gotta come we're all gonna be there we're gonna have this reunion it's gonna be great oh, that's funny. and so I was telling somebody I was like well you know one of my regrets is not finishing here they're like you didn't finish here <laughs> oh goodness because <laughs> then during that time we weren't on social media right you know, none of that was really oh, broadcasted yeah, right, yeah. if you were so, gone they just yeah you're just gone you're just gone yeah (laughs) and you know they had moved on it was harder to keep in touch with people yeah during that time i mean i am a terrible letter writer i actually i correct that i'm awesome at writing letters i'm terrible at mailing them (laughs) so you just need an assistant you just you're good at writing them you just need an assistant to make sure it gets in the mail your letter that i wrote you is in a bomb drawer like five years ago it's still there man it's a standing joke with my parents they know that i probably got a card for them a month ago but they'll be lucky to get it on Thursday. <laughs> oh, here's this card, Mom, from a year ago. There, I found this clean my drawer, out, man. And yeah. I'll buy them with every intention of getting there on time. Oh I'm getting God, better, and funny. now that you can order stuff online, I just oh, yeah. do it in advance, and so yeah, that that has helped a lot. <laughs> you have good intentions, though. Yes, it just sometimes, you know. Churchdale Productions is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm, the one-stop shop to get your podcast off the ground. Get paid to do it and have fun having fun. All right, so now you are 20 years old, Southwestern, and your crossroads is coming up. You're about to take off to come back to Dallas, and something happens in your life. Right, so um, I came home. I worked for a while. I went to Brookhaven, took a few classes. You know, my parents were like, you got to stay in school. Yeah. You got to make that happen. 
and I was living at home, and I worked at Uncle Julio's. Oh, yeah. And um, they were opening a new restaurant in Atlanta, and one of my friends there really wanted to go to Atlanta to open the restaurant. And they were having an informational meeting. She was like, go with me, go with me. I'm like, I don't want to go to Atlanta. She's like, just come <laughs> with me. So I, I go with her to the meeting and find out that they're going to have this office manager position there. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds really cool. I want to do that. So I applied and I got the job. And I was going to move to Atlanta that January. And um, before I moved, just a few weeks before I moved, my mom came to talk to me in my bedroom. And this is where we get to that really small world story. When my biological mother was pregnant with me, she actually met my adopted mother's brother at a cafe. Oh. And in that conversation, he learned that she was on her own, that she didn't have a good place to stay. He introduced her to his mom, my my adopted grandmother. She helped her get a job and get a place to stay. And then, oddly, through the way that things happen in small towns, because it was a small town, good old Claremore, Oklahoma, <laughs> my parents end up being the ones that adopt me. Oh, wow. And so, my parents had always told me I was adopted, but it was never a thing. Like, right. it wasn't an issue. And there were things that I struggled with, um, wondering, you know, the what-ifs of the world and all the magical stories. But um, my mom came in to tell me that I had never known this connection. So she came to share this connection with me. Yeah. To share with me that I actually had an older sister and a younger brother. Oh, wow. Who still lived with my biological mother. And that my older sister had been looking for me for a couple of years at this point. Wow. And my mom was honest with me that she had prevented her from contacting me. Because she didn't feel like I was in a good place to be able to manage that kind of information. Yeah. She was afraid I'd run away. Um, that it would be damaging for our relationship. So she chose to wait until I was older. And I think me moving halfway across the country kind of spurred her to share this information. Mm. So she brings to me a picture of my mother and my uh, sister and brother. Um, from years and years ago when they were very young and I can immediately see the family resemblance <laughs> and I'm kind of in this shock a little angry that I'm just now finding out yeah um, I'd always wanted a brother or sister and here I'm finding out I've always had one and so I, I really struggled with that for a while my mom and I actually didn't talk very much for a couple of months because I was I was kind of angry yeah. right right and I realize now that she was put in kind of a crappy position to even be the one that delivered that news to me because apparently my grandmother had had these photos for years <gasps> and all that oh. stuff. So, you know, <laughs> and they'd actually like stayed with my grandmother at one point and oh my god, and so the whole family had kept this from me oh. all this yeah. time. And so I was angry, but um, this again we talked about this earlier is before the age of social media. I had an address from a Christmas card that oh. my grandmother had sent me. And so I reached out to that address. I wrote a letter. And it was hard because I turned around and moved halfway across the country. So I very briefly got in touch with my sister. Yeah. She and I talked on the phone once. My brother and I talked on the phone once. My mother returned my letter. She wasn't ready to deal with me or the situation. And then we all moved, and we lost each other. Okay, so um, what year is this now? So this is 1998. Okay. Holy cow. 
So we've all moved. We've <laughs> lost each other. Wow. And disconnected. So all these years, I like every once in a while, I would find an address and I would try to email someone or message someone and wouldn't get a letter back. And my sister was looking for me as well, but it was just very hard for us to find each other. And one day I just kind of got this, and this was 2009, 2010. Yeah. Um, I decided I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get on Facebook and I'm going to figure this out. So I started Googling just names that I knew, family names that I knew, because I knew a little bit about the family at this point. And I found an obituary for my adopted or my biological mother's adopted mom. Oh, wow. And in that obituary, it lists all the family names, right? Right. So my sister had a very common name, and I couldn't find her name. And my biological mother has a very common name, couldn't uh. find her name. I would get hundreds of results. So I started pointing out the other people in the family mm-hmm. and friending them and they would just requ- they just accept my request <laughs> I don't know why and then I would start digging through their friends and then I would I eventually found my oh. way to my sister wow and we connected um, started talking on Facebook both my mother and my sister my brother is not on Facebook um, and so gosh I think it was four years ago I arranged a trip to go out to West Virginia and meet them. Okay. So I, um, the first night I got there, I drove into town and checked in the hotel. There was a little, um, I think it was like a TGI Fridays or something like that, right in front of the hotel. And I texted my sister and she was like, why don't I come over and just you and I have a drink and just talk for a minute. So, so she came out to the restaurant and it was like the coolest thing we're telling people at the bar. This is my sister. We just met today. It was really neat. Wow. It was a bonding moment. And then the next day, um, her daughter actually went with us and we went and kind of explored the area, went like had lunch and Oh, so you have a niece. I have a niece and two nephews. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, on her side, it gets even crazier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so later that day, we went back to the house and they had had like the whole family and friends over yeah to meet me and so that's when I met my biological mother for the first time and my wow. brother and so my brother he um he's had a hard life he chooses to live homeless oh. and so every once in a while they'll get him to come back around and and get healthy and feed him and yeah. clothe him and whatnot wow um and it just so happened that the timing worked out that he was there when i was there oh. and so we were able Oof. to meet and um and talk for a little bit my my biological mom i think she was very scared of my reaction and so when everybody was in the room she would get very excited about everyone being there and want to take all these big family pictures with all of her kids and we would take these photos but then she would disappear and so we really didn't talk a lot I think that she was um I think she was worried that I would be angry right and after talking to my sister and hearing about their lives I'm really thankful that my life went the way that it did I feel very blessed to have had my family and I'm glad that they're in my life now did they have it tough they did yeah they definitely did and my sister is very similar to me and she played softball too oh funny yep and volleyball volleyball oh I think she did for a while (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you look like your brother and sister um we have some similar features but we only share our mother we all have different fathers right right so i i don't think 
I don't know. I, I guess I could show you some pictures. I don't know if you'd see us and go, oh, you must be sisters. Yeah. But if you saw our mother, you would know. Oh, immediately. okay. I look okay. very much like her. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, so I, I've more kept in touch with my sister since then. My mother and I have talked a few times. Um, and then, like, my niece and I are... Does she realize you're not angry at her? I, I think she's coming around to it. We had a brief, actually. I got a little snippy with her. Um, because when I first <laughs> came back after that trip, I guess she was so excited about us all being there that she kind of went on this, like, social media campaign of, like, posting oh. the pictures every day and posting things about the relationship and I was just like you need to boundaries I called my sister I was like I need her to have some boundaries right now like this is overwhelming to me this was a huge step for me to take this trip all by myself and come out there like calm down yeah (laughs) and so my sister talked to her and she backed off and and we were able to ease back into it and we talk every once in a while but you know it's 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 weird I never had a brother or sister growing up so yeah I don't know what that means right and and so we're still getting to know each other we know that we're sisters and we love each other but we don't have that tie that other families will have right right and so um I knew that my I knew a few things about my biological father but he wasn't in the picture and wasn't really sure where to find him and after a lot of conversations with my biological mom I eventually got enough information I felt like I could do a search and I found two guys that matched enough of the description and I kind of just threw a pin at the map and contacted one and it happened to be the right one Wow Uh, the funny thing is I messaged him it was two years ago. I messaged him on his birthday. I didn't even know it. But because I wasn't friends with him, I went to the other emails. The other, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't get it for a while. Yeah. And he, for some reason, had thought that I had passed away when I was younger. He didn't even know that I was alive. Wow. Turns out I have another sister through him. <laughs> and so I started talking to her. She has kids as well. Oh, wow. And um, he has a lot of brothers and a lot of family so that was kind of honestly overwhelming he and I got on the phone the first time that we talked was like two hours and I was like scribbling down notes pages and pages because he I think he was nervous so he was just telling me everything he could think of and (laughs) I was like wait a minute what was that person's name who are they again like who are these people I was a little overwhelmed um and wow and so he gave my my sister my contact information, Brandy, and she reached out to me. But I was I was just overwhelmed. I had known about Sharon and Jeff for a long time, yeah, and had time to come to terms with that. And all of a sudden, I had another sister, and I was not ready to handle it. And so I kind of blew her off for a while, and she persisted, thankfully, yeah. And we were able to connect, and we we talk on Facebook, and every once in a while have a conversation. But again, it's the same. I've never had a sister before, so and now you know. have two. Oh, now I have three. So oh. in November, <laughs> I so last year I took a 23andMe test. I took the medical one because I wanted to know if I was a carrier of certain diseases because my biological mom has Parkinson's. Oh. And so it's it's been weighing on my mind. It's been yeah. bringing some anxiety. I wanted to know if that was something I was going to have to deal with. Yeah. I'm very fortunate that I'm not a carrier. Oh, good. So I took that test and got my results and whatever. And my parents, um, I was planning a trip to Scotland, and my parents had asked me to send them my results. I wanted to see it. Yeah. And so I logged back in. It's like the end of October. I logged back in to um, pull the results from my parents. 
and I see a new connection for a half-sister. And I'm like, oh, it must be Whoa. Brandy or Sharon. And I go look up, it's not Brandy or Sharon. <laughs> it's someone <laughs> else. Oh, my God. It's wow. someone else. So um, her name's Jeanette, and we reached out to each other and started talking. And, you know, she told me the time period of where she lives and, and her story. And um, I called our father and said, um, did you live in Coos Bay, Oregon in 1978? And he said, yes, that's an odd question. Why have you asked? Oh, no. I said, well, I think you have another daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, hold on, um, I'm going to go take my heart medication. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and he came back and talked to me, and, and he still maintains that he doesn't, he doesn't remember having a relationship with anyone, like anyone I see or anything. He was in a relationship with a woman. They broke up for a while and she left for a while and then she came back. He wonders if maybe she was pregnant and gave up wow. the baby for adoption, but Jeanette doesn't think she's adopted. So it's it's kind of this really convoluted thing and so um, we asked him to take the test just to make sure that yeah. they matched. And he took the test, but he won't post his profile. Um, so he told me the reason is the government might get his DNA. I'm like, what, did you commit a murder or something? Come on, this is silly. Um, so my other sister, Brandy, is taking it to see if they match. And if Brandy and Jeanette match, mm -hmm. right, yeah. And so Brandy asked him about it, and I guess what happened is his uh, his current wife was a little concerned that more children might pop up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if they could, they'd already be popping up for me. So. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah. So you've talked to Jeanette. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's the most recent sister that I've learned about. Right. And so I'm actually, because I'm kind of the center connection and I, again, never had a sister before. I don't know how to do this. Right. So I just like two months ago I just spun up a chat and Facebook and added them all to it and was like meet your sisters you're all connected through me whether or not your sisters your sisters so oh that's funny um, we, yeah. I mean we just you know we'll post things like happy Mother's Day and how are you Aww. doing and, and like yeah. share something but I just figured I, I was a little overwhelmed by how to manage each relationship so I'll just manage all three of them together and maybe we'll connect and yeah. if not maybe they'll connect it <laughs> yeah so yeah. where does Jeanette live so my sisters are spread across the country um okay. sharon is in west virginia brandy's in california and jeanette's in oregon oh okay okay oh. so i think and I jeanette have thinks she doesn't think she's adopted so right so her mom told her that there was possibly two men that could be her father oh, and man. she thought it was the other man but he has since passed and oh. um, and so when we connected on 23andme that kind of triggered for her that it was probably not him so she's with her bio mom her bio mom, okay. That's that's everyone's belief. And what is your dad's name? His name's Barry. Barry. Well, that's his last name, Bruce Barry. Br okay, Bruce. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I, I remember. So <laughs> he don't care about the government. He's like, <laughs> right. how many more kids are gonna right. pop up? So I'm like, what are we starting gonna ask yeah. for? Like, I mean, this child is, support at this point. Come I mean, on now. <laughs> and if he was in that part of the country, I'm sure drugs were yeah. very I mean, prevalent. It was the seventies. Yeah, but he was a yeah. cop, so no drugs. Mm. Well, well, whatever. Anyway, so a few years <laughs> alcohol. ago, alcohol. So a few years well, ago, and we're I actually kind of. I'm sorry to interrupt. I do want to share this. Right. I, I kind of pulled that on him. Of look, it's okay. We're all adults here, and he was like, "No, really, I don't remember having." And I was like, "You don't remember?" He's like, "It yeah. didn't happen." I'm like, 
<laughs> uh, how old is he, Stephanie? Um, he's in his sixties. Late sixties, probably. Yeah. Right. I mean, they were young when they had me. Yeah. Hmm. They were they were really young. It's funny how they met, actually. So my biological mom um, had a raccoon in her apartment, and she called the police to help her get the raccoon out of her apartment. Oh, that's and he was met. the cop. Yeah, that's oh, how they met. Oh my god! Isn't that cute? <laughs> so is he a retired officer? I mean, um, or is he still active? So now he works for like a tire company. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so he's, he's not a cop anymore. No. Okay. No. Gotcha. So a few years ago, we were at your house for a Christmas party, mm-hmm. and as we laid it on us about... It was last... No. It was this past Christmas. No. Mm-hmm. Is was that, it? No. No, I just found out last last October. Well, no, at the Austin Ranch apartment. Yeah. That was, that was only two years ago? No, that was this past October. Austin Ranch. How long have you been in this place? Your new well, place? no, I've only been here for a year. So two years ago. We're at the Christmas party. We went. That's, we, when, oh, did, that's when I found out about my father. Your dad, yeah. Yeah. Yes. My sister was this last year. Okay, yeah. okay. Because we came over, you're like, I brought strudel, and you're like. <laughs> that was very yummy. Yes, Thank it you. was from Munster. Um, yes. A German strudel. I still haven't been there yet. Oh, uh, we'll so go. Good. It's amazing. Anyway, so we were at your apartment, and we were having a Christmas party. You just kind of looked at us because I had some to tell y'all. We're like, okay. And they, and our, all of our, I remember like Ryan was there, Gael. Nicole, and a couple other Nicole, Nicole yeah. and us were all sitting around the table. Was, all Gee. our mouths were dropped. Yeah. Listening to this, we're like, "Oh my god!" And now, well, and she showed us on the iPad. Yeah, you the did? the yeah, she oh. she pulled up the results. I it was like I found my dad, and we were like, "What?" Well, <laughs> one of the very first family connections that came up because I did ancestry DNA first, and then yeah. I did twenty three me, and the first uh, connection that came up is my uncle. Uh, Walter. Uh. So, um, which he's the historian of the family. And mm. before I went to Scotland, when when I was telling my biological father about his new daughter, um, <laughs> he I told him I was going to Scotland. He said, "You have to talk to your uncle." And he does all of like genealogy. this is Bruce's dad. His, his I mean Bruce's brother. brother. Yes. Okay. Yes. He does all the genealogy and like ancestry for their family. He loves doing like the trees, and our family has roots in Scotland and oh. Ireland wow. and England and so he was telling me all these stories and so I actually got to go to this one museum it's the John Knox house that had so. um, an exhibit about one of my ancestors which was really cool to me because I grew up my entire life not knowing anything about my ancestry oh wow. yeah and I remember an English class at Brookhaven where the professor assigned us a paper to write about your ancestry uh-huh. and I went to her after class I didn't interrupt the class I went up to her after class and I said I'm, I'm really not sure what to do for this I don't know my ancestry she was like surely you can ask your parents and find something out I was like I'm adopted and I don't know my ancestry and she was like you're just making this hard just write it and I was like okay in so other just, words, make something up. I wrote about my my adopted mom's history, which oh, is really okay. cool. Like, okay. they have a really great history. But I was just like, don't you understand how insensitive you're being? <laughs> I didn't. I care. don't know my ancestry. Yeah. <laughs> but again, different the teachers yeah. didn't care. <laughs> no. I I always had bad luck with English teachers. They just didn't like oh. me. Did you not have Miss Holloway at Smith? No, I didn't. I tried to get in her class. Actually, I think I got in it briefly because I had such a bad experience with one of the other English teachers. Not Miss Dudman. Whose name shall remain unnamed. Uh, Um, (laughs) I had Dudman. Well, I... So, she's an amazing woman and a great teacher, but she thought that I 
had dated Ryan and done something. Stop. And he and I never dated. Stop it. So she disliked me very much. She only liked me because I had red hair. Yeah. Well, no lie. You have gorgeous red hair. That, that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. And I was so glad because she was a Hard. little harsh yeah. to a lot of students. Yes. And I sat at a table with Laura Taylor, mm -hmm. uh, Amanda Kane, mm -hmm. and Lily Hun. Oh, wow. Great girls. And the four of us, we sat in fours in her classroom. Mm -hmm. And, oh, thanks. I was so thankful that I was with those girls. So she's <laughs> the reason why I quit um, track, because yes. she failed me. She failed you? She failed me one of the six weeks uh, reports she oh, failed me and so I couldn't run track and so I ended up quitting oh um, but then I got transferred out of her class because there was yeah. evidence that there was certainly some personal Ooh. issues there oh, oh man I want to lay into her anyways well she's well, gone so yeah. you can't and her son is gone yeah it's really sad Ryan's gone too yeah he passed away a couple years ago mm -hmm. it was like one of those terrible house accidents that he hit just, his head yeah like Jeff yeah hit his head it just yeah. happens in a, an instant I know and changes it's lives. crazy so it's crazy thing you never think will happen like no. it's the biggest stat and you're like yeah I'll never happen to me. no you're absolutely right you, you always know? think like car accident you know if it's gonna be an accident an you don't airplane. think yeah you don't think a home accident yeah is going to kill you yeah. but yeah it's it's crazy so during all this time you're finding your family mm -hmm. where is your faith um hidden in a box in the closet okay yeah i mean i because of my growth through the church i always knew that god was amazing yeah and i knew that that was the right path uh -huh. but i was arrogant enough to believe that i didn't need it but also I had a, I carried a lot of shame and guilt that I yeah. felt like I wasn't worthy of it. Okay. So I kept it at a distance. And there was a lot of times throughout my adulthood, after I graduated from college and came back to Dallas and started working, there was various periods in my life. Not when I was a restaurant manager because it was impossible. Yep. I always worked Sundays. Mm -hmm. I had yeah. a crazy schedule. Oh, I don't yeah. know what weekends were. I don't know what holidays were. I was always working. <sighs> yeah. But after I left that industry and started working in the corporate industry, I would try to find a new church. Okay. I, I don't know why I didn't want to go back to Holy Covenant, but I think it was the whole, that was such an amazing time in my life that I didn't want to taint it. Mm. I wanted that to remain the glorious time that it was and that During your inspired childhood. me. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And so I wouldn't go back to Holy Covenant. I would try different churches. And honestly, I didn't live in Carrollton. This is the first time that I've lived back in Carrollton since I um, left to go to Atlanta. Oh, so wow. um, I lived, you know, out in like North Richland Hills, or I lived in Arlington, and I lived in South Dallas. And so I lived in all these other areas, and I would check out different churches. And every once in a while, I'd find one that I felt a little bit of a connection to, and I would go kind of regularly for a couple of months, and then I would go party and not go. And then I would not go again, and then I would not go for a year. Got it. And so yeah. it, it was this very casual thing, and then Matt and I started dating, and Matt was not religious. Right. He did not believe, or he didn't want to accept that that being a part of his life and so I was very much influenced by our relationship and I took a step back there was um, 
there was times when I would just start going on my own but then again he was at home and he was going through a lot he was in a really dark time in his life and I was trying to save him all on my own because you know I thought I was capable Uh of that crazy stuff yeah and it brought me down into a really dark place probably darker than I was when I was in college where if I hadn't been for Care Bear for having adopted her. Care Bear is the most amazing uh, adopted rescue dog in the world. She's a sweet puppy. She's amazing. Um, if it hadn't been for her, I don't know where I would be because I was so depressed when things went raw that I didn't have the will to get up. Yeah. But she would be laying next to me. She knew that I needed her. Right. And I didn't want her to suffer. I wanted her to be fed. I wanted her to go outside. Yeah. And so she was the reason I got up. She was your therapy dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She got me out of bed. Um, I worked at that time. I didn't feel safe. Um, Matt had some issues to work out. There was actually an incident where somebody tried to break into my house to steal some things Mm. from him. Was this when you were in the rental house in Dallas? Yeah. In downtown? Yeah. Near downtown, which was an amazing place. I was so upset. Oh, you loved living there. Oh, it was awesome. And so um, a friend moved in with me, basically stayed with me every night to make sure that I was okay. Oh. And when he couldn't stay there, someone else would stay. I, I, I had this circle of friends that were actually Matt's friends that saw what was happening and they wanted to protect me. Oh, so wow. there was somebody staying with me constantly. And it was this really dark area of my time that I was ashamed of the situation that I put myself in that I told you guys yeah that i was staying in a hotel because i wasn't sure what apartment i wanted to live in yet so i was going to take some time just to i find remember an that i was actually staying in a hotel because i was afraid that matt would find me oh and so i would switch hotels every two to three nights oh you're Holy kidding cow. and i was hopping hotel to hotel and he eventually got arrested oh. and after he had been in jail for over a month uh-huh. Uh, and there was obviously that he was not going to get bond. He wasn't going to get bailed out. Um, a friend who had actually taken over my lease in my old apartment knew that I was going out of town to see my parents soon. He said, just come stay with me for a few days before you go out of town. You know, just come yeah. come relax for a minute. Yeah. And while we're there, he said, you know, when you get back into town, just come back here. Come stay here. Oh. And so I moved in with him, and he was just a friend. It was very platonic. We had there was two bedrooms in this place, so we slept yeah. in different rooms and everything. But um, he made me feel safe again. Oh, oh, that's good. And so I stayed with him for a couple of months until oh. I started to get my feet under me again. Yeah, and I got my own place. Yeah, and then, um, so I lived in Oakland area, Cedar Springs area. Loved that place. It was yeah. amazing. And that's when I started to reach out again and reconnect. I started to come to softball again. I started to talk to people. Yeah. And um, Jason Beverly invited me to come to church. Yeah. And so that was my first experience at fellowship. And I went with Jason. And I felt like the pastor had opened my soul knew my heart and just started talking to me hey. and it was it clicked yes and yeah. every time we went 
I felt like he was talking right to me <laughs> every single time. And yeah. I was like, this this is, I need this. I need more of this. Yeah. And the worship there was amazing. I love worshiping through songs. That's something mm-hmm. we always did in, oh, praise worship in high amazing. school. Yeah. Well, I remember when we were in the youth council groups, we would just sit around in, in a circle and hold hands and sing mm-hmm. for like 30 <laughs> to 45 minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. And then we would do like the Vespers at camp and just sing and sing mm-hmm. and sing. And I, I missed that. I craved oh, yeah. it so yeah. much. And here I come to this church that has just this amazing song and worship yeah. and presence. Oh, yeah. And then this pastor is literally speaking to my soul. You would think <laughs> that that would be everything I needed to pull me back in, but it wasn't. I wasn't oh. ready. Yeah. I didn't I still didn't feel like I deserved it. I still didn't feel like I was ready to be saved yeah. or to be fixed. I was still wallowing in the loss and the grief. Around yeah. what year is this? This is 2011. Okay. So, um we would go on they used to have Saturday services at mm-hmm. the time, which was really cool. So Jason and I would go and Ireland would come with us too. It's his daughter. Mm-hmm. And we would go to church, and we'd go have dinner. And right. it was like, I had something to do on Saturdays, because I wasn't dating. I was not ready to date. Yeah. Right, right. And so as a single woman, it kind of sucks. Saturdays suck sometimes, because you yeah. don't have anything to do. So we would go to church, have dinner, and I had something to do every week. That was your, yeah. That's awesome. That was your weekly Saturday yes. date. Yes. Yeah. It really was, with a good friend that I've known since I was 13. Right. Church and dinner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, his family kind of took me in. I spent Christmas Eve with them. Aww. You know, his mom was in town. They invited me over. Now, I do think that Jason had an alternative motive because I had to sign the packages and wrap them from Santa so that Ireland wouldn't recognize the handwriting from Jason. Oh. <laughs> so. I thought that was going to go another way, man. But okay. No. Yeah, no. I did too. I, like, kind yeah, of first. I got invited over to watch Christmas movies and ended up racking, wrapping pa- packages from Santa. <laughs> I was like, you're like, what's wrong with this picture? Next time we see him, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, That's was, funny. it was fun, and it, it felt good to be included in something like that. Because yeah. my parents, you know, we didn't talk about this, but when I graduated from tech, my parents moved to New Mexico. <laughs> and so we, I like, family Christmases aren't really a thing in our family anymore. Every once in a while, we go to Oklahoma and meet up there. But there have been years where I've spent Christmas alone. Oh, and to have. Man. No. have that with someone else's family yeah uh, to feel like i was a part of it that was huge nobody yeah. should so ever spend christmas alone if you need it we're here you got it all right <laughs> doors it. are open it. always so. <laughs> sure. that's just horrible yeah i don't care who you are man i don't care what kind of person you are christmas should never be alone right yeah. that is the one night that it's forever family mm-hmm. even friends are family right well and then wow. unfortunately well Fortunately and unfortunately, Jason started dating someone. Yeah. Who was amazing. It didn't work out, but she was amazing. Daisy. But, well, there was someone else before that, and then Daisy. But oh, okay. she had a different church. Oh. So every once in a while, they could fellowship. And she was absolutely fine with me being there. She was. She understood I was just a friend. Like, yeah. that was our thing. We went to church. Um, but then they started going to her church. And so oh, I would still go-ish. Yeah, <laughs> it became yeah. the ish, and it was funny because um, I met Ashley before anyone else, Jeff's girlfriend, because oh. I was at church, and I look up, and the couple sitting in front of me is Jeff and Ashley, 
Oh, you're kidding. So she she had been taking him. They had been going to church. And this was before everyone had met her. And I was like, Jeff. Did he meet her there? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. I don't think so. But his family still goes there. Right. Right. So his dad and his stepmom and stuff, they still go to okay. the fellowship. Wow. And okay. And that's, that's where his funeral was as well. Right. Right. So, um, oh, that's funny. Connections there. And then we, and then Nicole goes to that church. She does. She you does. have, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Melissa, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Melissa started coming with me last year. Okay. And Lori comes sometimes as well. Right. And then um, Amber goes mm-hmm. there. And so Lee's been coming a few times with her as well. And so I keep meeting people there that I've known forever. Isn't that funny? Well, and it's such a small world now, and we can get into this later, but when you actually get involved in a church, mm-hmm. it's amazing how much a mega church becomes a very close, t- yep. like, knit <laughs> type yes, family. Does. Yes, it and, does. And it's this. like, Yolanda is friends and neighbors with people that I know from church and I'll see that they comment on something on Facebook and I'm like oh my gosh they know each other too <laughs> it's like this this tiny little circle yeah. you're right because that church is massive yeah but you're right it's yeah. like all of a sudden you're like I know everybody here I do <laughs> somehow it's, amazing. it's the best feeling ever it's, it makes me feel like I'm back at Holy Covenant in that tiny church family yeah. because I actually know who these people are and you started getting involved yes Yes. With the groups, the right. singles group and the yeah. um, the music, right? So um, or the theater I, production I don't know if or we something, get right? Into this oh, yet, we can but, keep okay. going, girl. Okay, so um, in 2017, Christmas Eve, I went to two churches. All right. I went to Fellowship Church for Christmas Eve service, and during that service or after the service, I went to the info desk. I was going to get some information about connect groups because I was trying to, I made a decision. I was like, okay, stop avoiding God. God's amazing. Get, yeah. get yourself back in a church, right? Right. So I go to the info desk and I'm talking to this lady and she goes, well, what are you doing for Christmas? I said, oh, nothing. You know, my family's not here. She was like, come to my house for Christmas breakfast. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't what's your name i don't (laughs) (laughs) like i just it floored me that someone that didn't even know me was like just come to my house come have breakfast with me and i i panicked and was like no but thanks um (laughs) but that stuck with me and i've actually shared this with her since when i i've told her that Uh, i remember that moment that that was a turning point for me because i went to holy covenant that night and went to the service and it, it was not the same it's not I didn't feel connected I didn't feel like the memories were there the traditions have changed Mm -hmm. it's a very different church than when I went there and it's not that it's a bad thing but it's it's not my holy covenant so was that the first time you'd been there since you were a kid I had been there a few times but it was always like when I knew people were in town and I would go with them oh okay and so it was more like reunion time oh okay and there was a new pastor it just felt I felt disconnected and it it was the kick that I needed to say, okay, I want to get involved in church. Yeah. I know that I need this at the center of my life, that I'm missing it. This is the missing piece right. that I keep trying to fill with all these other things, and it's not working. So time to, you know, give myself over to this yeah. and commit yeah. to it. And obviously, it's not Holy Covenant. Okay. It's fellowship. So this is where I need to go. So um, that January, I did what we call table talk. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was two series. The first one was all about the church. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was all about getting involved. And so the f- I went to the first one in January, but I was traveling um, late January. So I couldn't go to the second one until February. And I went, and there's the four different areas that you 
can volunteer in. And one of them is FC Creative, which is everything from singing on stage, playing musical instruments, to all the things behind the stage and behind the production that you may not ever be aware of, from lighting and stage and all of this. And so from my theater and choir background, that really, really excited me. I hadn't done any of that since I was at Southwestern. And... I was like, I really want to do this again. This would be so cool yeah. to get involved in this. So I went and talked to them and said, I, I want to learn about you guys and what you do. Um, I want to serve at yeah. church because, you know, our pastor always says, if you're not serving, you're swerving. Uh-huh. You know, mm. get centered by serving. And so um, I signed up and they were like, okay, so we'll invite you to one of the rehearsals. We'll give you the tour. We'll show you everything. Yeah. And uh, two days later, I get a call from one of the girls in Fellowship Creative. I says, have you ever heard of C3 Conference? I said, well, I, I know it's a conference that they do at the church. I don't really know anything about it. She goes, well, it's next week, and we have a choir. How would you like to be in it? And I was like, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I would love that. So we had rehearsals um, that I went to the rehearsals, and the they go you go through this whole background check and everything and mm-hmm. then they give you access to this application where you can go and see all the songs and your call times and all that stuff it's really really wow. cool and uh, it's called services um serving or serving center planner or something like that it's really awesome and um but because my this was so immediate i hadn't finished my background yet so i couldn't get into the app so i'm literally like getting on stage with people faking songs Oh no! <laughs> it's crazy because I was in acapella choir yeah. in high school. Yeah, and we used to go sight read at UIL. Mm-hmm. Right, and I, we were really good at it. Yeah. So I was kind of drawing upon that from my childhood, going, "Okay, I see the words. Yeah. I hear the music. Yeah. Let's go with what makes sense." And I was oh my gosh, some of the songs I recognized from church, but I really didn't know most of them. Right. And fortunately, there was enough people around me that I could fake it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when I didn't know the words, my words or the the song, my mouth just moved. Right, and, uh, right, right. <laughs> but I got to see how it was all put together, and I got to see the power of this conference. I mean, people come from around the world mm-hmm. to come to this conference. Oh, wow. Business leaders, church leaders, people who just want to be inspired by God, and it was so exciting. I had such a great time. And after that, um, her name's Angela. She's one of the worship leaders. She said, hey, uh, Easter's coming up. You want to do Easter, too? I'm like, of course. Oh, that's awesome. So they do Good Friday at Clyde Warren Park. Um, We go out there and we have a concert and everything. So I got to do that. Oh, wow. And then um, I got to sing in Easter, too. And we did this element that, I mean, just it chills, chills every time that we practiced it. And then when we performed it, where... There was a screen dropped, and there was a cross behind the screen, and there was actors acting out um, Jesus being beaten and drugged to the cross. Oh, wow. And being hung, and I'm going to tear up. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's tissue over there. Oh, yes. It's this, I mean, it's this powerful, amazing moment where the, the screen drops, and we were there in choir ropes, all in white. Oh, wow. Singing how glorious it was. He has risen, and yeah. It was. It's this amazing moment. It's on video somewhere. I'll just send it to you. Oh wow! Um, it just like goosebumps. Yeah. And I'm on stage trying not to cry because I'm singing. <laughs> trying not to lose yes, it. Yeah. Yes. And it was just so powerful. This church is 
I, I love it because they do the things that people are afraid to do. Yeah. They're okay with offending you a little bit if it makes you think and it makes you think about God and makes you want to be closer to Him or want to learn something about Him. They're not afraid to challenge that. And so they do some crazy stuff. Y'all saw the pool on stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a roller coaster before that. Oh, my gosh. We had a full basketball um, court? court before that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, we we have an amazing production team that does all this great stuff. And so because of that involvement in the choir, then I, you know, I, I knew that they weren't really going to have any other choir opportunities anytime soon for special events. So I said, well, who's your stage manager? I used to do stage. Maybe I could do that again. Yeah. And so I started serving on fourth weekend for stage, and I met Allison, who is now the stage manager but at the time she was another stage lead and this is where your small world comes into play she works in my building (laughs) and and you didn't even know it didn't know it (laughs) and to make it even crazier so we start to get to know each other but really don't know each other yet yeah and melissa had started to come to church with me and she told me about the singles group that we should join right yeah it's for people our age 30s and 40s we should go check it out okay so um we go check it out allison's the leader of the group (laughs) so not only is she one of the leaders of the group she now we volunteer backstage we work in the same office (laughs) um we we start to get to know each other and find that we've had a lot of things in our life in in sync and we've probably crossed paths at some point wow um, and just really connected so now i've got these relationships that are starting to evolve from this yeah and i volunteered um at adventure week where i was the stage lead for the kids show it was so much oh, awesome. fun. Wow. so much fun That's and then so cool i got invited back to do the christmas show and i get to help with the loadout so we'll go and break down the entire stage all the video screens and everything and rebuild it all uh-huh. and wow. just getting involved in these things in full circle the c3 this year i was one of the stage leads and just involved in that whole process it's given me a purpose but it's also introduced me to so many people yeah the weeks that i don't volunteer or serve backstage i will come to early service Uh and then i just stick around and i go hang out in the coffee shop or the bookstore or i'll go see if anybody needs any help with baptisms or where's where's the help needed i'm here Uh what do you need oh that's awesome yeah it's a place where you can really be a part of something life-changing right lives are being changed right mm-hmm. and all you have to do is raise your hand and say i'll do it you say yes always oh say yeah yes. yep. oh yeah yep. so i'm actually um later this month for two sundays i'm gonna be leading the arrivals team for our kids camp out at alasa ranch wow so i'm gonna Fun. go out and help um the kids check in and really my job is helping the parents be okay with letting the kids <laughs> check in and helping them get familiar with everything so i'm really excited where's about that. the camp at it's in hawkins so it's in east texas okay um hopefully everything's okay after the tornado that was in that area yeah. yesterday is it close to canton mm-hmm. oh it's yeah. real close but um i'm sure i would have well that's awesome so. Yeah, so and you got baptized. And I got baptized. So, yeah. yeah. So that was something I was struggling with. And hey, everybody, reach out to us on churchtableproductions at gmail.com. Give us a shout. Email us. If you have any questions for me, my co-host, or even any of my guests, reach out to us, churchtableproductions at gmail.com. So the last time we were together... Uh, was at your baptism, which we just touched on a minute ago, mm-hmm. and we're at your baptism now. And uh, we were at a previous party 
at Ryan Avery's birthday party when you invited us mm-hmm. and we were all excited about going and she had to think because we're we're, we're 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 shopping churches ourselves Catholic churches ourselves now and she's like I did not want to go to two masses two services on the same day because this is long and that's long I want to be a sinner <laughs> so and I and, and I had scheduled with another friend of mine to meet him at his church Catholic church that night and I rescheduled it with him because I was like I don't mind it because I, I grew up in high mm-hmm. school through the non-denominational churches like like yours. Um, I don't know no, no, the exact denomination your your church is. However, uh, Julie was not. She's uh, she's like one's good. I'm fine. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll reschedule. That's fine. So you invited us at the thing at Ryan's party. And I was elated because that's the way I grew up in high school. Mm-hmm. I, I, I call it shooting from the hip preaching. And even though he, he's got earpiece on, he's listening to his feedback, he's mm-hmm. he's under, he like, he can't memorize everything he's saying, so he's got his thing in the background. Right. Somebody's talking to him, okay, say this, say this, say this. Um, but I, I, I get a lot of out of it. Dan loves that church. I, love, I mean, he um, loves the praise and worship. He loves the rock band. Praise and worship to me is the most centerpiece of a church because... If you don't feel God in praise and worship, you're seriously something wrong with you. Well, that's what will keep you coming back. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's a time where you can worship without people knowing that you're worship. Like, it's a safe place to worship. Yeah. Everybody's standing. Yeah. Everybody's singing. Yeah. So you, you, you can really internalize. And for me, it was something that kept me coming back to fellowship as well when Jason was no longer attending that church was that I felt energized by it. And there I can countless times that I cried in the middle of worship Mm -hmm. because if something would just hit me and there'd be tears rolling down my face and somebody would reach over and grab my hand and give me a squeeze. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but where we were there, two of those songs were Catholic songs. Yeah. We're seeing those (laughs) in a Catholic church and praise and worship for a youth group. They're written by a Catholic artist. Matt Mayer is one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I forget the other guy's name, but the other girl's name but two of those songs are actually Catholic yeah, I knew those two I was very excited yeah, I was nice. like I know two of these songs nice <laughs> well and so and that's the thing about the Catholic praise and worship youth group uh, or it's that they bring in the secular slash the Christian songs because that's what works mm-hmm. you're not going to find somebody singing a, a, a 14th century hymn rocking down the street but you will <laughs> listen to them singing Chris Tomlin yeah. or uh, or a or third day or switch foot coming down the street so thy word is still one of my favorite songs <laughs> what is thy word oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. she has some favorite songs from the, from the hymns too yeah yeah but yeah. no way our Catholic Eagle church swings. oh yeah oh yep. god yep. Yep. love we that one for sure uh, but there's cool. no way you're gonna have like the catholic church jam at the third day on right. uh, during mass <laughs> well in so, our so fellowship is a biblical church uh we very much focus everything on the scripture what is the don- denomination we're biblical just it's just, a bible church so yeah, it's not denominational yeah well I, I i gotta say most non-denominational churches come from another branch mm-hmm. do you all know what that one is um they're no. just spawned from it they don't just like, hey, guess what we're going to do? Come over here. Join us. It's actually a ga- following from somebody else. So um, Pastor's father runs a church in Houston. Very so large I wonder church. what he come from. So Okay, whatever. Uh, yeah. So I think it's Second Baptist in Houston. It's a very large church okay. down there. Okay. Yeah. Later Baptist yeah. branch. Yeah. So, so that, that makes sense because the way he was preaching, it was yeah. like, I know this. 
because my dad's how our anyways whatever yeah. go ahead so um we're a biblical church definitely believe in the things in scripture and one of those things is um and you heard this in his service the day that i was baptized is that sprinkling's not a thing so getting christian mm-hmm. is really about your parents dedicating your parents dedicating to make sure that you're brought up in a home that has God at the center. Right. That's what your christening is. And I went through confirmation as a Methodist where when I was 12 or 13, I confirmed myself right. as a Christian. Right. But um, scripture says that you were immersed through baptism. Yeah. Right. And so I knew that coming in to fellowship is something that had been brought up to me before to do. But I was struggling with it because I wanted my parents to be there. Yeah. Because they were so involved in Holy Covenant. My mom volunteered in the church office. She made banners for the church. My dad was in the journeyman. And when I graduated, they no longer had a reason. They quit going. Oh. Oh, So I felt that they've been disconnected, and I want them to come back to the church. I want them to come back to God. And I'm really hopeful that when they move to Oklahoma, that might happen because my aunt and uncle go to to a great church there. Um, but I wanted them to come see it because I wanted them to be inspired yeah. to yeah. be a part of it again. So I, I kept going, you know, okay, I'll just wait till the next time they come into town. Okay. And they kept coming in on Monday and leaving on Saturday. Uh. And I'm like, <laughs> and, um, Does your church not have a thing during the week they can go to? Um, well, we have midweek meetup, but baptisms aren't done then. They're done on Sundays. Oh, right, okay. Unless you're in the kids' program, which I'm not. Um, I'm not a kid <laughs> anymore. But um, so I, I kept putting it off, uh, and I watched many of my friends in the singles group getting baptized. Mm-hmm. And I, I even I felt a bit like a hypocrite, but I volunteered for baptisms. So, like, I would give people their towels when they got out and made sure that they were covered. And, yeah. like, I was volunteering and serving in baptisms, and I still wasn't baptized and it bothered me oh i didn't like it i wanted to to make that decision but i wanted my family to be there and so we went to a women's retreat out at alasa ranch in uh, march and just to back up i i joined another i'm going to take even a step further back okay so in january i started serving the previous year i said okay serving i'm seeing all these benefits for my life man i'm telling you God delivers in a big way when you start giving him everything. And I started to see all this change in my career and my life. And I was like, okay, I got to hear you. I owe you more. I'm not tithing. So I need to start tithing. Yeah. January 1, I started tithing 10% and more. Yeah. So 10%, that's not being generous. That's what is owed to God. Anything over that, that's your generosity. And so I was scared. I'm a single woman. Yeah. I have one income, but I knew that I needed to be disciplined and show God that I was disciplined in that. So I started tithing in January. Um, The first two paychecks were a little hard after that. I haven't even noticed it. Oh. Like God has delivered in so many other ways. And so it's one of those things I truly believe that if you're following the, the scripture, if you're following the letter of God's law, he is going to return it to you. Yeah. And tenfold. You can never outgive God. Right. He, he will always outgive you. And so I'm tithing. I'm serving. I'm still missing this very simple piece that should have already happened in my mind. I should have already been baptized. So I go to this women's retreat. And I had joined this women's group just a month before, a professional women's group, amazing women in this group. These women are brilliant, wonderful Christian women 
who have great careers, who work hard, who give everything that they have and are so accepting and loving. And one of them was running the prayer room and I went into her and I just started crying. She's like, what's wrong? I was like, I want to get baptized, but I don't have family to come. And she goes, I'll be your family. Aww. I'll be there. So we started planning and uh, we were going to do it one weekend and then like everybody was out of town. Melissa was out of town. Uh, Allison was out of town. I was like, I want my people to be there. Yeah. But I also kind of like made myself vulnerable in this and that I want to make it as public as possible. So I'm going to invite all my friends. Mm -hmm. And I just started texting people and messaging people and talking to them when I saw yeah. them saying, I'm getting baptized. Come. Yeah. Come yeah. see it. Right. So um, had the date set was really excited about it. it was the weekend after my birthday how much of a better way to start a new year of your birthday right right and uh i get a message the day before my birthday on wednesday from allison who's the stage manager and works with the production managers pretty closely she goes do you know that they're building a giant pool on stage has anyone talked to you about your baptism on sunday and i said oh Whoa. No, I mean, maybe I should check and make sure it's still on. So I emailed the guy who's in charge of them and just said, hey, I want to make sure we're still good for my baptism on Sunday. I have lots of friends coming. I'm really excited about it. And so he calls me on Friday and says, hey, let's talk about Sunday. We're doing this really amazing thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're going to be calling people to be baptized during the service. The pastor is going to be talking about baptism. How would you feel about getting baptized in front of everyone on the stage? And I immediately panicked. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, uh, buh, uh, well, um, I need to, uh, I don't know. Like, I gotta think about this because I wasn't really sure that I, I knew that I was probably gonna cry. When I got baptized. Because um, every time I watched somebody else get baptized or think about getting baptized, crying. I was crying. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to trip and fall in the pool. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I've got to think about it. He's like, okay, well, think about it. But I need to know either way. And it's fine. He was like, it's fine. If you want to get baptized afterwards, outside, like, by yourself, it's fine. You can do whatever you need to do. But I hope you consider this. And so I get off the phone with him. And it's terrible. I'm driving. I probably shouldn't have been driving while having this conversation. <laughs> And I'm driving down the toll road, and I'm like, Stephanie, you said you wanted to make this as as public as possible. Oh, yeah. Oh. God went <laughs> up to you here. <laughs> he said, all right, let's make it public. Oh. And I was like, this is something I'm terrified of, but I've got to do it. I absolutely have to do it. Yeah. And so I immediately called him back and said, I'm being silly. Of course I'll do it. Yeah. And so um. He's like, great, come at 8 a.m. for worship uh, rehearsals on Sunday. I'm like, okay. So I get there, and I'm doing the second service because that's when all of you guys are coming, and there's another woman who's doing the first service, and it's both both of us have never been baptized before. We're not like oh, actors wow. coming out to show you what baptism is, but we are showing you what baptism is yeah. and getting baptized. So she had never served backstage so that was the best thing for me was because she didn't know where to go she didn't know how to get around i was so focused on helping her that i couldn't be nervous you about couldn't, it right 
So I helped her get through her baptism, and it was amazing. The first service, there weren't as many people as second service, but there were quite a few that came down. In you know, even after the call, there were people coming down in their street clothes to just get baptized. Yeah. Oh, and there were more people in the first service yes, that came yes. to give it. Oh, wow. Because yes. I thought there was a lot of people. There was at yours. Uh, yeah, and they were doing this at all of our campuses. So we are a mega church. We do have multiple campuses. Mm-hmm. And um, they were doing it at all the campuses. And then, so the second service is about to start. We have a gap between them. It's about to start. I'm kind of outside the backstage, and I'm starting to panic. Oh, no. So I haven't had a moment to collect myself because I've been running around taking care of other people all day. It's always good for me (laughs) taking care of other people. And I suddenly have a moment, and I want to sit down, and I want to pray. And people keep coming to try to talk to me, and I'm like, but I need to pray. I need to center myself. Yeah. And so I sit down, and I pray for a minute, and I find that I'm just getting myself worked up. And I look up, and there is a woman there who I've met, who knows Amber, who knows Yolanda, lives in the same neighborhood. (laughs) Um, I actually met her when Amber invited me to Loteria, which was really cool. Um, And so we've talked a few times, but I saw her there, and I was like, I'm nervous. And she immediately just jumped in and was like, you got this. Oh, You're going to yeah. be amazing. And she was like, you know what you're doing for all these people out there? Mm-hmm. She goes, you're making it okay for them. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, so I'm doing it for <laughs> other people. Yes. Oh, I yeah. Do this. <laughs> I can take care of other people. You know, she, she centered me and she helped me like. You needed to hear that. I could do. Yeah. And stop making it about me panicking. Yeah. And make it about what I could do to impact other people. Yeah. So that was huge. I needed that so much. And so I get backstage and I know the point in the service where it's coming up and I'm going to have to go out there and I'm oh like my jumping. Gosh. I'm jumping. And you seem so <laughs> calm to me. Oh, that's because I did all the jumping backstage. <laughs> I literally was like a kangaroo. I had no idea. You were so nervous. <laughs> oh, I was. And it was really, really cool because um, the, the pastor that baptized me while Pastor Ed was talking is Dr. John Cross and he is this amazing man who has such a beautiful story. He had been praying for a wife and a family for so many years and in his mid-40s he met a woman who had recently lost her her husband and and her son in a plane crash. Oh and wow. And she had other kids and they met through the church and um are married now and are this amazing family and just Aww. so involved in their stories and they're so courageous and they're so open with their their stories and so he was baptizing me and to me that meant a lot oh yeah you know, he he has quite the story and so wow. i love that that he was the one that baptized me so yeah there was a moment because i didn't have my glasses on right you right your glasses and i'm kind of blind so i was like please don't let me do like some belly flop into the pool <laughs> and then we're standing there and we're like i don't know at what point we're gonna dip and and so i'm like trying to smile the whole time because i know i'm on camera and i'm so oh nervous that i'm like shaking in the pool and it wasn't cold i was just nervous and anxious and so i was shaking and i'm sure he thought i was like having convulsions or a seizure oh or something because i'm just shaking waiting and he's holding my hand and and then he baptized me and i came out and i hear just everyone Oh, clapping. Yeah. It was, was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't have asked for a better yeah. like experience. And then to top it off, 
in December, I'm going to go get baptized in the Jordan River. So, Oh, that's so cool. I'm really excited about that. So I'm going to Israel with the church in December, and um, I oh, just, that's a trip of a lifetime. That's awesome. That's amazing. My parents wait. went there in the 97. Oh, yeah. My parents went, yeah. So when he baptized you, did he say anything to you before he died? Before he dropped you in her? Yeah, um, I can't tell you the exact words because I was so nervous. But yeah, I was talking about <laughs> how you're being cleansed mm-hmm. and you're rising from the dead. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you're being cleansed from that sin and yeah. being born again into this this life. And you know, as Pastor says, like you don't have to be baptized to be a Christian, right. but it Jesus was baptized. Like mm-hmm. we should, right. we right. should. It's it's a way to publicly express your faith. Right. It's, you know, the shirt that I was wearing said, um, uh, outward expression of an inward decision. Mm-hmm. It's about sharing that with others. And that's what our church does that I love. It's it's all about just being vulnerable yeah. and saying, look at what we're doing. It's not saying, look at what we're doing and prop us up and be like, oh, you're awesome. Right. It's about, see that it's okay to do this. Come closer. God wants you in his life. He right. wants to be a part of your life. It's okay. Come on. Right. Come check it out. So yeah. when, when we uh, when we got there, we got the uh, VIP treatment because we're guests, and nice. we, we got a coffee mug. I'll go get it in a minute. But we got uh, a whole goodie bag. We got a book of stuff. I, there's a book. Uh, I got a. Yeah, Pastor's written a lot of great books. So has his I forget wife. Forget where it's at. Anyways, but he uh, they gave us a bunch of stuff, and then they uh, we we found everybody, met everybody, all of our friends and stuff, and. They got us in the front rows, reserved rows, and um, we went through the, the service. I love the service. It was an amazing service. It was a really great message. He did a really good job with the technology. That's what I love about these churches. They have the technology there, mm-hmm. which is one thing I would love the Catholic Church to do is take your praise and worship and put it with our traditions, and it would be the best church ever in the world <laughs> because that is what, that's what bridges the gaps, mm-hmm. okay, because... The, our, the Catholic Church is so rooted in tradition, which is a beautiful thing, which is awesome, which is the way it should be, um, where if we could bridge the gaps where everybody could be happy with the praise and worship, the young and the old mm-hmm. and the new, uh, then it it would just be me. I would go. I would so just jump in and volunteer like I do right. in my Catholic Church. Um so when I'm sitting there, I listen to him talk. I'm like, I love this guy. This guy's a great guy. Julie knows right away he's wearing a very nice suit. And I just said, well. He loves his fashion. God gives, and man. And his shoes. Oh, yeah. He and that dude's dressed in the nines. But then again, if you ever go to Catholic Church, our robes, the Catholic yeah. priests, were, are very expensive robes. Yeah. None of them are cheap. Well, Nothing in a church is ever cheap. He owns businesses, and he dies. He ties everything and wow. gives more generously. Yeah. So, you know, some people see in mega church and they see a pastor who's well dressed and they oh, you know, I see what that church is funding. That's not what it is. No, not at all. He has his own real estate yeah. and his business yeah. and, and he's whatnot. doing pretty well. Yeah. So the And he's thing written is, tons of books. I mean, had, can you imagine the royalties? All right. In, yeah. I, I, I walked into the bookstore and like every book there is his book or his wife's book. Yeah. And I was like, Wow, this guy's really good. So I I wanted I picked up the book that they gave us. I want to go back and buy another one of his books. Um, but I've got a few you can borrow if you want. Okay. <laughs> pastors at the, the differences between a Catholic priest and a pastor, a which is the same the word pastor means father. Mm-hmm. So pastor in in a church, a Baptist church or non denominational church 
they have a wife, they have a family, they have a life. They, they're, they're almost required to have something else going on outside. Mm-hmm. Where the Catholic Church, the priests are, that's their thing. That's why they're not married. Right. They're on call 24-7, 365 days of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have one day off and during the week of their choosing, which generally is either on a Monday or a Tuesday, because they, right. they've been preparing all week for the weekend for the services and for Mass, and then they're done. What's the matter? Well, after you make this point, what? I want to make sure that people know this. Yeah. How much work goes into every Sunday? Oh my gosh! So when I I dabbled in this and I and I wanted to become I wanted to become a pastor at one point and I was looking into going to uh, the Dallas Seminary mm-hmm. and and just to go through the theology, go through all the work just to be able to get into just become ordained as a pastor is incredible. Yes. Catholics, the Catholic priest is eight years of schooling. They get degreed and they have three years of formation. I'm pretty sure it's the same way with your pastors and the Baptists and non-denominational churches or Protestant churches, and as a whole. Um, so when I listened to him talk, I could tell that he is very well versed. Mm-hmm. He knew his stuff. He knows his stuff. He studies hard. He studies very hard, and for being very well spoken and able to bring it down to the layman terms as we are. Uh, just in general, he's 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 good, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to look for in a priest or a pastor is somebody who can take it and dumb it down for you. He gives you something tangible that you can walk away with yeah. and actually apply in your life. Big words mean nothing if you don't understand it. Right. And so when pe- when when I whenever I hear somebody say just big giant word in the Catholic Church, I'm like, what does that mean? They don't know. Then then go away from me. Leave me yeah. alone because yeah. you're not helping me out. I need you to feed me. If you if you don't know what you're preaching, you're not feeding me. I don't know who you're feeding, but you're not me. So we did a financial campaign in January called Intense um, to raise money for not only updating the existing campuses, but to um, buy and renovate a new campus in Frisco that we're really excited about. But to kick off this campaign without any warning, we were told that we were going to fast for 24 hours. Oh, wow. And then for 21 days at um, 1127, we were going to read Mark 1127 and pray. As okay. a church for 21 days. Wow. And I'd never done that before. I'd never fasted before. I didn't think I was capable of it. For 24 hours? Yeah. Woo. I did it. Mm-hmm. That's did it. awesome. It took prayer. It took community. But I did it. And I was fine. And um, we started praying that very next day at 1127. We ran read Mark 1127 instead of prayer. We had texts that came to us that gave us a, a prayer yeah. that we could use. And um, because Allison's in my office, we would meet uh-huh. and go pray together in the Starbucks. Wow. And it was something that the whole church did. So for 21 days, yeah. we were reading. And so when we started this, I, I realized that I'm terrible at doing devotionals. And keeping up with them. I'm really good at starting them and never finishing them. <laughs> so Allison told me about the Bible app. And so yep. I downloaded the Bible app. Oh, yeah, Dan's you've been got very that. active I on it. I'm friends with her on it. it. Oh, I and love she's it. been just going nuts. So, just, so that day. I get updates every week, every week that she's <laughs> done something. So that day I found, well, this is sad to admit. So that day I found a 21 day. Um, it was basically like a devotional about fasting. Yeah. And so Allison and I started together while we were doing the other prayer. And that started my my new habit. Uh-huh. And so from there, I did a devotional every single day yeah. until the day before I got baptized. Mm-hmm. And then so much happened the day before I got baptized. I missed a day and I had to restart my count. 
no. <laughs> she had did the, the week of baptism. She had did like four yeah. things and like uh, four three day things. But so three days each day. Yeah. She oh. would do them in the same day. Because I was oh, trying wow. to prepare myself. So I was reading anything that prepares you for going public with your faith or yeah. baptizing. Yeah. So that's a really cool thing about this app is you can just go search a topic and it gives you all kinds of ideas. Yeah. And it's not just about faith. It's also about work and mm-hmm. friendships and relationships. Pick a topic, yeah. Like everything's there. Oh, and you cool. can do it with friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can open it up to friends. There's a chat where you can talk about what you read that day. Oh, wow. Or you can do it by yourself. And I love it. And there's even ones that are like from a dog's, like a dog <laughs> owner's perspective. It's yeah. really cute. Oh, that's cute. So, What's it called? Uh, the Bible app. Oh, it's called the Bible app. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a free app. Yeah. And oh. so not only does it have all of these, um, all of these uh, devotionals, it also has where you can read different versions of the Bible. You can select what virgin, version you read. The translation. Yeah. And you, which translation. translation. And Whatever. then you can highlight things. You can add notes. Oh, You that's can create cool. images of the Bible verses. So you can post them on social media if yeah. you want to share them with people. Oh, look, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> you can make friends. You can comment on friends' like highlights or, yeah. or readings and it, all that stuff. It do you have you, yours set up for it's a daily reading? Yeah. yeah I get my yeah. Every morning I get my verse. Yeah, you get a verse every morning and then oh, you can take cool. all these different devotionals. So, yeah. you can, so one of the things I like about it is I'll see a friend reading a devotional and I'll go save it. I'll go oh. save that plan so that I can do it later. You read it at NIV. That's good. That's a good version. Mm-hmm. I love that version. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of... It, oh, how neat. It's huge because it's on you all the time. <laughs> you can download screen, it man. if you... <laughs> Yay, I'm finally getting back on track. <laughs> I was so mad because I didn't realize that I'm I'm competitive. I am competitive. Just a touch. And when I saw that count go back to zero, I was like, no. Because it tracks how many days and You should get a pass for it. your baptism. Right? <laughs> I was barely, very involved in the scripture that day. Um, yeah. But it's been huge. It's really helped me to be more cognizant of the scripture and how it applies to your life and honestly there are things that you read in the bible that you probably thought were brand new management styles and techniques that were in the bible 2000 years old girl these ideas come from the bible Uh, right yes so much of how (laughs) business and law and relationships and everything goes it's inspired by the bible even those people that want to not believe in it Right. Yeah, there's atheist it's stuff there. in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Atheists. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to plant a scene real fast. Okay. So, we walk in, we sit down, and we go through the praise of worship. It was like 15 singers up there and mm-hmm. one guitar guy. And I guess behind there was the band, right? Right. So, there's the keys on the stage right, and there's drums on stage left. And then there's a couple um, guitars, guitar and bassist. All right. So, and then in the middle is this giant, like, like, 20 foot diameter pool yes it's about which is four not foot usually deep. there <laughs> and there's a big pool like it's actually like a pool you put above ground pool yeah and then on this one side of the ladder so you do did his thing he did an amazing presentation amazing sermon and then he takes off and comes back in a few minutes stephanie then walks up to the side and we're all like there she is there she is yeah we all stand up <laughs> didn't know that and i yeah. and and oh, and awesome. julie's to me on my left and kylie knight and david knight's to my my sorry my left julie's to my so, right while pastor's speaking you guys see me come out and you all stand up well he t- w- w- once he left everybody stands up 
Okay, because, well, I was baptized while he was speaking. You were baptized? Wait. Well, okay, so... Yeah, no, we were sitting because I was able to take pictures yeah. of you on the screen. We stood up afterwards. Anyways, okay. So I, yeah. I, I, so I, I elbowed Julie, I elbowed Kai, so I take, start taking pictures, start taking pictures. Everybody started yeah. taking pictures. And you jump in, and uh, they, they uh, baptize you, they dunk you, and... They were, um, and everybody, and you put your hands up, it's great, yeah, and that was awesome. We're all in just kind of like shock and awe and tears. And then he takes off, and Julie's like, She didn't, they didn't say her name. I'm like, I was like, Just imagine there's about to be 30 people, he, right. he, he has no idea who these people are, they right. don't know their names. So, yeah. so in the first service, he did announce the name. I think he was just so excited. Nah. He, you know, he just he forgot for a minute. Oh, so he what? In the first service? Yeah. He oh. said the person's name and then mine he didn't, which I, I don't care. People don't know who I am. You know, and... So wait, that's not how they normally do baptisms no. there? No. No, so we have a couple of different ways that we do baptisms. So when we do, um, we have a, a pool, a tub that we can do indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually did it out uh, by the front door this past weekend. And that's usually where a lot of the kids get baptized because it's a smaller pool. Yeah. And then we have an outdoor heated baptismal pool that's right outside the east doors. Oh. And then we have the really awesome lakeside pool that's even further outside the store, so it's oh. not needed. And so, um, yeah, we're all about baptism. So is that where... <laughs> so had this not happened the way it did... We would have been outside. We would... Oh, yeah. okay. I thought this was something that happened every Sunday. Oh, no. Oh, no. This, this where they, had, they always have a pool up on stage. No. This is why Allison texted me on Wednesday and was like, have they talked to you about your baptism? Because oh. they're building a pool right now. And this whole time... <laughs> Because you were telling that story, and I'm like thinking, she found out two days before that she was going to basically be the example. I've been to his baptism before. For everyone. I've been to his baptism before, and normally there's like a little tub or something. They just dunk him in real quick. Yeah, we have a little little pool, which was so cool about that that service is that um, at second service... Uh, at all campuses, people were getting baptized, mm-hmm. but more than seventy people came down to get baptized at second service alone. Yeah, oh, wow. so we're so we're sitting there, and then you walk off. He runs off to go get changed. He comes back in like three minutes, like to close. Like he just yeah. pulled it right off. He's got a little closet. Oh man, he came <laughs> he out. Ducks in. <laughs> he jumps in, and then here comes all these people lined. They go down and get changed. They come in, line up on both sides, and they walk up or left stage. Which, left. by the way, I knew somebody else in that crowd. Who'd you know? Uh, her name's Jennifer Suggs. Okay. She we know her through YMSL. I didn't get to see her because I didn't I didn't get to see her afterwards, but yeah. I was like, I know that blonde lady. <laughs> I so, she's in YMSL with us. <laughs> so they walk so everybody gets and they start they start baptizing and three people are baptizing and I'm watching their mouths and see what they're saying because there's a proper way to baptize. Yet you have to say the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to make it an official baptism. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching their mouths, and every one of them, and all three of them are saying this. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was asking you, what did they do? You remember what well, they said? We're a very biblical church. We follow scripture. Okay, so to they, the T. <laughs> so David next to me, he says, "What are they saying?" I say, and I think they're saying the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because that's how you baptize. Any, that's how you baptize somebody. Anybody can baptize somebody in a time of need, even with your spit. As long as you spit on their forehead and, and they the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you can do so. So, um, once all this is done... Please don't immerse somebody in your spit. Oh, well, I mean, time and knee, like... Like, like you're, you're um, at war and you're about to die. That's, <laughs> right? that's when you do that kind of thing. 
So we're at, um, so everybody walks off. We're just in tears. Well, we were really in tears with the lady in the wheelchair. Oh, oh my was, God. Uh, I she lost She was it. paralyzed. She, I don't know because everyone's focus was on her, but her husband got baptized. At I the saw same her time husband. With her. I did. Oh, I, yeah. So they yeah, went yeah. down together. When I saw him jumping, he was in tears in a video because yeah. they, they had cameras on everybody. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just start, I'm just losing it. And they and they, they dunk her and they off they go. And then fi- then all of a sudden, here comes all these plain clothes people out of the audience yeah. just running down. Yeah. And they're jumping in with their clothes on. They didn't yeah. change. They just jumped in. Yeah. And I was like, this <laughs> is amazing. Cool. This is great. <laughs> this is what this is about. This is baptism. Yes. This is giving it all over. Let go. Let God. Yes. And they were doing just that. And so I was just amazed. And I was, and I was like, this is never going to end. This is fine. Right. Everybody needs to get baptized. Let's go. Everybody jumps <laughs> yes. in. Even as Catholics need to jump in right now. So we're just, we're, I'm just kind of watching this. I'm like, holy well, cow. Well, I was wondering if one of y'all might go. I was uh-huh. really just like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. I was and, like, I'm going to look up and see Dan up there. I know it. Oh, God. <laughs> this was, is the first time I'm hearing this. So, so, so I, what, I wanted to do this. I wanted to jump in so bad, but I was like, oh, man. Uh, but so we finally... Everybody finally leaves, and uh, we meet up with you shortly after that, and you're just on fire, glowing, and yeah. you asked me what I thought, and I was just like, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> Yeah. Man. On the video, which you, I don't know if you saw or not, but they're showing the other campuses being baptized, too. Yeah. They're doing little yeah. snippets of them, and they were in the tubs. Right. And... Um, well, I didn't even see that. It was real... It was like... 10 seconds, 5 seconds of them so, on your campus. So there was some chaos backstage because um, <laughs> we expected people to come down, right? Yeah. We, we had every towel in the place. Mm-hmm. They're ready to go. We ran out of towels. Yeah, saw that. Oh, so no. I had partially wet towels on. I took them off and gave them to people. So I was, oh. I was backstage running back and forth because I'm familiar with this space, yeah. taking towels to each side wherever was needed at oh, that moment. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. And so I was kind of dry at that point from all the running. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was amazing. So we're going to go back just a little bit now. Now, real quick, because we're running out of time here. Okay. When you talked about you being an only child, mm-hmm. Julie is also an only child. Mm-hmm. And when I met Julie, she says, I have a bunch of friends who I've later learned that were her family, mm-hmm. which is just like you are. Because your friends are your family, which me, I have siblings, so it doesn't ring to me. Right. But when at when we got married, you were at the wedding, and you walked up to me after it's all said and done, it's complete chaotic, and out of everything that people said to me, yours is one of the few things that I remember. You said, "I want to be friends with you," and I was like, mm-hmm. "Absolutely, great, let's do this." And I walked away, and I was. I walked away, and I was just really kind of choked up about it, and I was just like, "This is great." Um. Because you're not your your history and my history isn't wasn't that great up until then. Because in softball, I would try to go sit next to her in the stands before a game. I was like, "Hi, how's it going?" And you're like, no, "Let me alone." And because, well, you were drinking too. Well, I was drinking, but the thing was, I was protective of my girl. Right, which I <laughs> yes. which I totally understood because you're a single mom with two boys, and here's this guy coming in, and all her family is looking at me like, "Who's this guy?" Yes, and I yes. totally understood that. So it wasn't until later on I was just like, okay, um, is what it is. And then she said to me at the wedding at the reception, and I was like, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Well, it, to your your point, we had a rough start. 
I got what I wanted. Well, but, he but, had a lot of issues with alcohol. Well, and which, I was, that was when I was going through a dark time, too. Oh, so, you were going yeah. through the Matt stuff. So that, yeah. was, that was just a really ugly time, and I was really protective of Julie, and yeah. because of everything that she had been through, like, anyone messing with my friends, I told you, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'll fight them. I got them. Yeah. And when I saw how happy yeah. you were... And it was how a tough you were about happy, to start man. this new life. Each happy was a letter. Yeah. Well, and, and to honestly... H-A-P-P-Y for eight years. <laughs> I said Slowly. something to myself before I came to the wedding. I was like, we've had this animosity. I mean, it could be felt the way that, that you and I acted sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, this is her new start. I want a new start, too. Oh, I'm oblivious. I, I didn't feel clean. it. And I was like, so I'm going to make sure Dan knows that I want to wipe the slate clean. I want to see this as like a present to him and I. Yeah. We're just going to start over from here because he loves my girl and I love my girl and she's happy. (laughs) So thank you for making her happy and thank you for accepting it. I mean, you could have been like, "Eh, eh, get away from me. We have not gotten along. Don't even waste my time. (laughs) But you, you accepted it. And I really appreciate that because you're right. We are family. We've known each other (laughs) for a long time. more than I'd like to count. At, at, <laughs> at the wedding, I was looking over at like all her family was on the side of the wall. All yeah. the softball team was on the side of the wall over there. Yeah, and all and my dirties. family and friends were all uh, kind of spread out. But hers was on the side of the wall there, and I was like, "That's her family." Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. even though her mom and dad and boys are there, that's her family. Well, yeah. your family was so accepting too. They were very welcoming. Of all of us, and really just embraced us. And your sister is a sweetheart. Which Total one? Sweetheart, the well, baby. Yeah. Well, she, she's the one that I spent the most time with. Oh, you I, did? I didn't know this. Yeah. Well, because the, well, the bachelorette and, yeah. party. And oh, Bonnie. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and she played softball well, a couple times too, right? Uh, I think she yeah. s- jumped in. Once. I think yeah. she did, and then, yeah, that's the only because Melanie lives in Houston, so yeah. you wouldn't. Be I met a, her briefly. Yeah, at the wedding, yeah, yeah. But it didn't really spend nah. a lot of time. And she, she seemed really nice too. She went. She was a year older than us mm-hmm. at Smith. Yeah. So I didn't really, I didn't really know her in yeah. high school. So yeah, I didn't know Dan was so two nice. years younger than us. I didn't know him. Yeah. So well, it was like to your point, an enormous school. Yeah. <laughs> like there are people. Well, his class, class was huge. Yeah, I mean, because we had six hundred and something. Yeah. But all the classes. Thank you, because I always tell people that too. They're like, no, we had like a thousand. I'm like, no, no, we no, didn't. no, we had six. Fo- no, we no to be exact, we had six forty eight, but. <laughs> His class, as a freshman, came in at a thousand. Yeah, and that was when they were building Creekview. Creek yeah. And to when I graduate, when I graduated, Creekview was opened up ninety eight. Yeah, I was sad yeah. because I wanted to go to Creekview because Newman Smith was like a jail. <laughs> there was no windows. No, <laughs> no oh, I know. Air. It's beautiful now. Well, now they totally changed it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, they totally changed it now. Yeah. But well. Well, Stephanie Erickson. This has been one of a, this has been probably one of the most. Uh, this is long as she sat in on my, one of my shows because normally <laughs> she checks out by now. She's already. She's already. No, been, this was great. Like a trip down this memory was, lane. It was. Yeah. It was. It was a trip down memory lane. That's one thing. And about we this. didn't even get to for the listeners out there. Stephanie was so gracious enough in 2012, and she went on a trip <laughs> with me and my bratty boys to the Dominican Republic. And uh, got to see them fight with each other. I had never been on a trip with the kids before. No. Oh, what'd you think? 
<laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Oh, because I wasn't their mom, so oh. I could be the cool friend. It was. You're cool. Oh, I mean, off, man. Jet was like eight, and yeah. Joey was fourteen, I think. Right, and Jet really. There was times where he really needed you, and so Joey and I would kind of go off to the yeah. side, okay. yeah, and give them a little bit of separation so that they would stop arguing, yeah, yeah, and that would allow Julie to like be with yeah. Jet, and and so we kind of yeah divided and conquered. Stephanie was my buffer <laughs> with the boys. I mean, because it was just... I had some moments... I mean, there, there I, was, I, I think there were some moments with Jet and Joe that Joey was going off on Jet, and I don't even... Who yeah. knows what he well, did. Well, it was such a raw time in their life. I was yeah. about to say, this was not yeah. too long after everything. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, was this the first time everybody went out of town since that time? Well, I wanted to take the boys on a really cool trip. Because, yeah, their dad had died, and I had quit my job, so I yeah. had a year, and then, but I was going to start looking actively, but before I did that, I wanted to take them on a trip. Right. Yeah. And Stephanie was like, well, I want to go somewhere cool, yeah. and I was like, just come with us. So I got my passport for the first time. Yeah. And yeah. we went to the Dominican Republic, so the night before we left, we had to leave for the airport, like, five in the morning, I had to be at Julie's house to go to the airport. And at 2 in the morning, because I waited till the last minute to pack, I went to walk down to the bank to get some cash out, and I locked myself out of the house. <gasps> oh, no. And so, luckily, I had my passport and my money on me and my phone. And I was like, worst case scenario, I'll call a taxi, I'll go to Julie's, I will buy clothes when I get there. <gasps> um, fortunately... <laughs> Fortunately, my neighbor who was going to watch my dog while I was gone, I was able to wake him up, and he came down and let me out about an hour before I had to be at your house. (laughs) Yeah, so that was my epic story. Well, and that was when my dad took us to the airport. Do you remember this? Oh, and and there was all that construction. And we couldn't get to the right terminal (laughs) because of all the construction. Oh, my gosh. I was a nervous wreck. Yes, the good thing was I could drink, so. But that trip was great besides (laughs) Jet hitting his head. Yeah. Getting a concussion. And the bed bugs that I brought back. (laughs) Which, it still blows my mind how you are the only one. Well, I slept in that that sofa bed, and you guys were upstairs. We were upstairs, but still, we sat... I could have picked it up on the plane, too. We sat in that bed, though. Yeah, but I could have picked it up on the plane. I just... But I don't think it was in the plane, because you started having symptoms in the airport... When we were waiting to get on the plane, yeah, you you had thought you rubbed up against well, a plant, sand fleas or something. Yeah, because you kind of yeah. got a rash on your leg, and you yeah. were like, "This is really weird. This just came from nowhere." Yeah, so very just bizarre. Yeah. Because I'm like <laughs> Stephanie, we all sat on that bed. Yeah. Like when we were downstairs, we sat on that bed. Yeah, you just oh, got lucky. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was oh gosh. Oh, but, but you know anyway, what? that was an that was my first <gasps> international trip, and I'm really glad that yeah. I got to share it. With it was you. fun. Yeah. It was really fun. I mean, it was definitely memories. That's for sure. <laughs> Stephanie, so, this is great. Thank you very much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for saying yes. And, um, yes, thank you. She said yes. I just showed up. <laughs> I'm glad I could be a part like of your life. Trying to convince you to do it. <laughs> so happy I could be a part of your life as well as yours. Christmas is always open to you. Thank oh, you. always. Thank yeah. You. Do not ever think otherwise. Thank you. Um, thank you for being on my show. Yeah, absolutely. Church Table Productions. I'm Dan Lewis. My special my special guest is Stephanie Erickson. My beautiful co-host, my wife Julie Lewis. Bye bye. And that's it. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> 
Hey, everybody, check us out on Church Table Productions' Facebook page. Like us there. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and several other uh, podcast websites. Give us a shout. Give us a listen. Like us. Message us. Whatever you want to do. But we are here for you so we can talk to you. My next guest is a friend of mine that I've had. Well, we've been friends often. We, we, we've been friends for about for a while, for about as long as me and my wife have been together. Um, she's a fr- actually a friend of my wife, and uh, she we didn't really get along to begin with. But in the end, as you hear in the show, we reconciled our differences. And now I'm a big fan of hers. And she uh, has brought a lot of uh, a lot of passion and a lot of heart to her episode and i am really happy that she came on to the show and i'm really happy that she went as far as she went to tell her story and i got a feeling that there's a lot more there and so i'll just have to have her come back onto the show another day so ladies ladies and gentlemen stephanie erickson <laughs> 